Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, today, we have with us some very special guests. Guy and Blake from the Wizard Staff are here to do the rest of our Strixhaven set review. How's it going, guys? Hello. Hey. <laughs> we really appreciate you being here, uh, and we're very excited to uh, dive into the meat of this set. We've got a ton of new main deck cards to talk about. Uh, last time we covered all the legendary creatures, so please go ahead and uh, listen to that if you haven't yet had the chance to. But today, uh, we're going to run through the mechanics introduced in Strixhaven very briefly, then we'll get onto the Planeswalkers, and then the rest of the cards in color order. So what's, what's the first mechanic that we're going to be talking about today introduced in Strixhaven? Yeah, so the first one we're going to talk about, um, I think <laughs> one time only, we're going to talk about it really big right now. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Learn. It's a actually pretty cool ability. It is a spell with Learn will instruct you to learn, like Investigate or something like that. And if a spell or ability instructs you to learn, then you have two options. You either discard a card and then draw a card, so you rummage. Uh, which is it's cool you know you can get rid of a bad card like learn a new thing put in your hand Uh, but you also would get to search outside of the game for a specific type of card called a lesson and put it into your hand except (laughs) except you don't (laughs) because this is commander and uh, there are no wish boards there are no sideboards there's none of that stuff the rules committee has explicitly come out and said learn only works with this first mode. It does not work with the second mode. So the lessons that we're going to talk about in this episode are simply sorceries to us. Um, and I think there's a little bit more to say about this. If, uh, if yeah, you this if night. you don't mind me jumping in, I think that it's very unfortunate that an entire mechanic is mostly being blanked uh, from use in commander play just because the rules committee doesn't want to deal with uh, regulating sideboards or or allowing that in commander play. There's just going to be more effects like this over time, not only because like maybe they'll have more lesson type cards in main sets, but also just in order to enable um, play in best of one where you can have a little bit more reactivity and a little bit more counterplay against what your opponent are doing. So we're going to see more cards like this in the future. And although there's only like a few dozen lesson cards and a handful of wishes printed up to this point, it's a grouping of cards that's de facto banned and it's only going to grow larger with time. Like there is going to be a point in the future where there are more wishes banned in the sense that the rules don't allow them to work than cards that are actually banned, like actually printed on the ban list. And I just think that in the the interest of keeping a manageable ban list, in the interest of allowing people to play with their cards, I would prefer that the rules committee change it so that you know people can can use lessons because it seems like a really neat mechanic. I think a lot of these cards would be able to see play in Commander if they were able to work as intended, and it's just unfortunate that they can't. Yeah, I, I agree where it's a little disappointing to see that we won't get to use this in the way that Mark Rosewater intended in this set, uh, in this format. Um, I, I think a happy balance could have been 
you know, if the RC had decided to like say, oh, okay, you can have your lessons, but you can only you'd have to like limit it to like maybe like three or four, um, some kind of like limitations where it's not like you could just go grab any of the lessons that are in existence if you own them. But yeah, it, it's weird. But I'm glad that they at least you know give you the second option of you know, getting to discard a card and draw a card as it wouldn't be then like completely useless in Commander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just want to add in, I I would bet money that R&D put the rummaging line on there specifically because they knew that it wasn't going to work. Like Sheldon Mennery was working at Wizards of the Coast when this set was being made. Uh, he designed the Silver Quill Commander deck. There's no way that they weren't in communication when this mechanic was happening so i i would bet money that they started with learn is basically a reskin of a mechanic that they wanted to use in kaladesh which is called invent and so invent would get uh inventions which were basically lessons but artifacts like they were you could cast them you could put them in your deck but they also had the tagline of like an invention and that was scrapped because of energy uh, this is all in a recent morrow podcast a drive to work podcast if you want to listen to it learn i think is a cooler execution on it because sorceries can do a lot more things because you can do stuff in the color pie. <laughs> like you don't have to balance these artifacts anyone can get and play in any list. You can make a white card that exiles something. You can make a blue card that draws cards. You can make a red card that burns, you know, like there's a lot more to it. So the fact that uh, a lot, as we're going to go through these lessons of these lessons are nerfed because you can tutor for them essentially in any other format. <laughs> um, you can't do that here, so they're just kind of mediocre sorceries, and that's a bummer. So I guess uh, there are some more mechanics if we want to keep moving through these guys. These ones are slightly less of a bummer for commander players. All right, so we got Magecraft, which is an ability word that highlights triggered abilities that give you some sort of benefit whenever you cast or copy an instant sorcery spell. So for example, one of the cards that we'll be talking about here soon is Professor Onyx, who is a planeswalker with the keyword magecraft, and it says whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So very similar to what we've seen with Constellation or Landfall, it's pretty much the same thing where you're going to get an added benefit whenever you do one of these actions. I don't think there's too much to say about magecraft. It plays well with every set of magic ever printed. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a good backwards-compatible mechanic. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, I know that this was kind of like the inspiration for Strixhaven was being able to create a set that was focused around instants and sorceries. So that's kind of why we see some of these uh, modal double-faced cards that have creature on one side, instants and sorceries on the back side. So Magecraft is another great way of being able to utilize that and I think there's one more ability that we can uh, we can talk about, and this one is uh, came with an announcement. <laughs> so ward is a new keyword being added into the set. It is a triggered ability, and it has whenever a permanent with ward becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless that opponent pays whatever cost is after the word ward. So for example, it, there could be something with ward, and then 
two generic mana or ward pay three life so anything that can be a cost can be attached to ward and then you just have to pay that when you're trying to target with something ward uh, or else your your spell or ability is going to get countered this is um, pretty interesting it's worth noting that this is not completely replacing hexproof um, there are still going to be cards with hexproof in the future but ward is just sort of a gradation that they're going to give us so that it doesn't have to be like the all or nothing of hexproof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fact that they were so confident that they're like, this is a new evergreen keyword ability is I trust them now on this. This is how Menace became a keyword too. They were like, here's Menace and it's a keyword now. And we were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I'm pretty sure that's what Ward is going to be like because if you ask any like enfranchised player, any player who's been playing the game for a while, like they just hate hexproof because it's it at a certain level is not <laughs> fun, you know. Like there's just a certain point at which hexproof is actually like a pain to play with, and especially if it's on a pushed card, which a lot of the cards that people remember with hexproof are. So I think Ward is a really great alternative. Uh, I just wanted to chime in saying that one of the commanders that I play the most is Cigar to Host of Herons, and she has hexproof. And I can't tell you how many times people verbally comment like, oh my gosh, she has hexproof. All my removal doesn't work now. And they just start panicking. And it. I, so I'm not too surprised that they didn't want to m- use hexproof they wanted to be like, all right, one step below that. Let's let's make a soft hexproof. Well, I think that's all we have to say about the new mechanics in this set. Uh, let's move on to the new Planeswalkers. So I'm going to read off this first one. It is Professor Onyx, four black black for a five loyalty legendary Planeswalker Liliana. She has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. She also has plus one, you lose one life. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Minus three, each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures that player controls. And minus eight, each opponent may discard a card. If they don't, they lose three life. Repeat this process six more times. How do you guys feel about Professor Onyx? The first thing that I thought was what everyone thought, which was like, wait, this is Liliana. What's going on here? Why is she all, like dressed like a professor? And everyone was very confused and very thirsty. And it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do like this Magecraft ability. I like that they've continued to design Planeswalkers with like static abilities. So now I actually kind of care about Planeswalkers in the Commander format. And I like that they're continuing that. And all of her abilities are like fairly relevant. So I'm I'm in favor of this. Before like getting into any specific tech, I think that the idea of using the planeswalker type line, they haven't really done that as other than be like, find a Chandra planeswalker or Nissa planeswalker or something like that. This is actually, I think, a really clever way to do that. Professor Onyx, but it's Liliana, and it's kind of like a wink wink nudge nudge to the audience. I thought that was a really cool way to like execute on this and this flavor and like this story beat. That being said, the actual card and mechanics on the card, this is not the only one we're going to mention, but this is a magecraft ability where if you can make infinite copies of a card, if you can storm off, whatever, 
you just win, <laughs> which is kind of the danger of Magecraft. And it's interesting to see that they leaned into it. I do think that it's interesting that this plays very well. It seems like it's going to play pretty similarly to like if you play it fairly, like an Obnixilis Reignited, where like the plus one is like draw some cards and the minus is blow up a creature and the ultimate like does a big thing. And I think it's interesting to see that that's pretty even though she has a really powerful static ability on her um they haven't really diverted from the very stereotypical planeswalker designs i think that's interesting to see here yeah to kind of go off of what you said about uh having that powerful main magecraft you know the card that everybody was you know trying to buy after she was spoiled was like chain of smog which went from being like a 10 cent card to being over ten dollars now uh just because like that card allows you to pretty much copy the ability as many times as you want on yourself and then you're just going to get all these uh magecraft triggers and then you know you win and it just kind of reminds me a lot of when like opposition agent was spoiled and mm. then there was that uh marlin the mourn song uh who spiked a lot because you know you can have opposition agent enter the battlefield and then you have marlin uh as your commander and then you know you control everyone and you win the game that way uh it's just a two card combo that kind of got or kind of will get boring the amount of times you uh if you just keep playing it that way so um i wasn't really impressed by it uh but Overall, I think, uh, not Liliana, Professor Onyx is a fine mono black planeswalker, and I know people are just going to play her because, you know, the MTG community as a whole is a simp for her. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's did you, okay, this is not something we normally bring up on the podcast, but did, did everyone see the Womble with her on Twitter? Oh, no, there, I didn't. What Womble? I'll, I'll send it to people but it basically it womble is an app where it, like you can take a picture of someone and using kind of like facial recognition technology and like uh, oh wait yes i did i didn't realize that that's what you were talking about at first oh, yeah and cool. so it makes people like sing and dance ba- from like a static image and so someone did uh don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me yeah professor onyx and it was <laughs> like the mtg community was losing it so it was very silly and um yeah, I think, yeah, I, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> like it was fine. Simps. <laughs> so this is Kazmina Enigma Sage. Um, so we get a non-uncommon Kazmina, finally. Uh, she is a two-loyalty Planeswalker for one green-blue, so three CMC. She has a static ability. Each other Planeswalker you control has the loyalty abilities of Kazmina Enigma Sage. Then she has plus two, scry one, minus X, create a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token, put X plus one plus one counters on it, and minus eight, search your library for an instant or sorcery card that shares a color with this Planeswalker. Exile the card, then shuffle. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. So, again, she starts at two, three mana, um, and she's, like, opposite god 
Pharaoh, what is, what is the Nicobolus like Dragon God or Yeah, or Dragon God. Yeah, that, something, like something like that. Yeah, the the war, the spark one. She's like the exact opposite of that <laughs> guy. Yeah. Um so what do you, what does everyone think about this guy? Or what does everyone think about Kazmina? I I think what's most notable for me is in plain uh not planeswalker decks, super friends decks. Uh she's great with those planeswalkers that only have the minus ability uh like narset parter avails or ashiok because now they can like up their loyalty count um where it would kind of be hard to keep them around especially when those are such big targets for people so allowing them to have a plus ability i think is pretty nice um i definitely see her more as a tech piece though in super friends decks than just kind of a include in most simic decks yeah definitely um i agree about the fact that she goes in super friends decks like between her and like the other uh what was it like mila the modal double-faced card that had the fox and luca like mila she like added planeswalker loyalty if they were attacked or something like that i was not expecting as much super friends support as this set provided between those two cards i was kind of shocked yeah i think it's worth noting that um in addition to just like upping these like war of the spark planeswalkers that don't have plus abilities it's pretty good just to use kazmina to um add additional loyalty to your planeswalkers that only have like plus ones like plus two Mm -hmm. is a pretty big jump towards your um towards your ultimate for a lot of commander or sorry for a lot of planeswalkers so i think that kazmina is really useful in just helping you power out ultimates quickly in super friends lists yeah and even though it's only scrying i feel like it's still like you're you're making your clock faster on these ultimates so like scrying is still good too Mm -hmm. yeah i think the yeah the clock thing is important and i honestly if you're Plus two scrying one with like three or four different planeswalkers. That actually is nothing to sneeze at either. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in the past, planeswalker tech has been like proliferate cards or non-planeswalker cards that help each other. I think the fact that this is a planeswalker that helps your planeswalker and it's not like an, a minus on an Johnny, that's actually notable. That's actually like a, a new, interesting innovation. I, I think they're just leaning into the fact that people just do planeswalker decks now and that's you're probably just the arch enemy <laughs> at that <laughs> point. Yeah, one one of the planeswalkers too that's probably pretty notable is that that Kazmina could pair well with is a uh, the Teferi that we got last year because then you can just plus oh, two yeah. every turn and then you know you're if you get around the table and nobody's been able to touch Teferi, uh, you'll just get to be able to ultimate him and take two extra turns. You know, so that's pretty good. <laughs> And you're talking about Teferi, Master of Time, the one that can like activate on each other player's turn. Yeah, Correct, this, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second mono blue one. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty relevant. <laughs> All right, we can move on to the next one. Uh, well, I should say next two, really, because it's a modal double-faced card. It oh. is, yeah, it is Rowan, Scholar of Sparks, two and a red for two loyalty, and it's. She has a static that says instants and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Plus one, Rowan deals one damage to each opponent. If you've drawn three or more cards this turn, it deals three damage to each opponent instead. Minus four, 
You get an emblem with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay two. If you do, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. And then on the back side is Will. So get it, Will and Rowan. Ah, same card, you get it. Uh, Will is four and a blue for four loyalty. Again, has the static ability of instants and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Plus one, up to one target creature has base power toughness, zero two until your next turn. Minus three, draw two cards. And minus seven, exile up to five target permanents. For each permanent exiled this way, its controller creates a four four blue and red elemental creature token. Ooh boy. They're. Uh, Guy, what do, you, what do you think of this card? <laughs> I mean, if anyone knows me, uh, they just know that I love Perforos, my my pet deck, and I was just very upset to see when this card had uh, the backside, because um, now I can't run Rowan, who would be great in that deck. Uh, low mana cost, reduces a lot of my cards, deals damage to each opponent. It, it'd be a slam dunk, but we just had to get stupid will on the card. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm upset uh i hope watsy one day erratas this so you know is, we can just like completely take off will this is the the, the plug is to zach as rowan is the guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like it, it like seems that. like a slam dunk though in wheel decks uh like nekusar um well at least rowan the front side i didn't really you know think about will all that much because i was like get out of here um but yeah because you're going to be making your opponents discard and then deal damage and then you know instants and sorceries will cost one less and you'll just be able to like deal more damage by plussing her so yeah not bad yeah i think that part of the main text that i'm most interested in is the cost reduction on your instants and sorceries because we've seen other cards like brawl chief of compliance like goblin electromancer and primal amulet which all kind of see a decent amount of play where just it really helps black red X decks storm off or at the very least lead to their wins more efficiently. Um, and Rowan being the one that costs the least being three mana, I expect to see her most of the time instead of will. My only concern with using Rowan as like a, another brawl or electromancer mm-hmm. is that with Brawl or Electromancer, like you have to spend a card if you want to kill them. Whereas Rowan, you just gotta like turn your creature sideways. It's kind of free to kill her. So it's the kind of thing where like um you need to either cast her on an empty board or like try to win that same turn because she doesn't have a lot of starting loyalty. She doesn't tick up very quickly. I just think that it's going if it's going to be difficult to protect her. Yeah. Oh, I agree. She's definitely the most vulnerable of those cards. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if she had a mentor from <laughs> the story that gave her a plus two ability. Uh, um, Big brain. No, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think the the cool thing about Rowan is that the emblem is just so easy to get. Um, I think if you were going to play Rowan in, let's say, like a Mizzix list, which you're going to proliferate because it gives you experience counters. You're usually going to um, like run these effects that want cheaper instants and sorceries. Uh, I think that fits in perfectly there. It is going to often get the emblem. And once you're getting the emblem on like a Mizzix list with like X spells or whatever you're doing, you probably <laughs> can 
pull ahead pretty quickly from there. So I think that's awesome. All right. Uh, are you guys ready to move on to the, the non-Planeswalker cards? Kind of everything else in the set? I move with it. Okay. All right. Let's get started with Introduction to Annihilation. <laughs> Five mana. No colors. Sorcery? What? And it's a lesson. But that's not relevant here. Exile target non-land permanent. Its controller draws a card. What do we think? This is the first time that we've seen a color. Oh. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I... the first time we've seen a colorless sorcery, right? Uh, uh, well, well, there is all is dust. Um, yeah, there's right. <laughs> yeah, there's the one from uh, yeah, the all is dust. There's one in the in a rise. Gruesome that... slaughter. Are you thinking that gruesome slaughter? Well, there's one that made a bunch of Eldrazi. Oh spawn. yeah, skittering invasion. Skittering yeah. invasion. Yeah. So there, there's been a few. They're usually tied to Eldrazi, and and this is actually I should have made a note about. This is something that I actually kind of am super want to be soapboxy about, and and Maro has said that he wishes that they had colorless non-artifact cards in the game from the get-go that it wouldn't have been weird or an Eldrazi thing or had been tied to some gimmick because it would make the game better and I 100% agree with that mm -hmm. I think that the fact that they're kind of biting the bullet now that uh, we had like Farfinder in Ikoria that was just a little 1-1 one -one for 3 that got you a land um, but he wasn't an artifact he was just a little fox you know he was just a little mm -hmm. guy that's awesome that's better for the game it's cool when other colors have access to things even at a premium we just did a an interview with uh ken nagel who was talking about uh colorless's place in the mana pie and colorless is the place you go if you're like i want an effect but it's not in my color how much mana is that <laughs> uh, so the fact that introduction to annihilation is that uh we i mean we actually talk about this card in particular in that episode so if, if you want to listen to it wink wink Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. But um, I am just very happy to see these colorless sorceries. Uh, we're going to talk about a few of them. Some of them are good. This one is not very good, but it is definitely cheaper than Scour from Existence. And that's something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's relevant to you. Yeah, I, I really love seeing more options for colorless lists that aren't just artifacts. Um, it's great that colorless lists are now able to interact with things um, because that's that's typically pretty difficult for them. And I would happily run this in like you know a Kozilek list or a list built around some other legendary Eldrazi. Yeah, but I mean we can move on. There's more colorless cards if if uh, we want to get to those. All right, yeah. The next one is Introduction to Prophecy. Um, this is three generic mana for a sorcery lesson. Scry to then draw a card. And uh, I, I saw this and I immediately thought of Mizzix. Um, mm -hmm. You know, once you've got three experience counters, this is just free. It, it also, um, you know, replaces itself, gives you a little bit of card selection, uh, will trigger things like gutter snipe or or other or like magecraft triggers. Um, if you're, I don't think it has a place in like the most high powered Mizzix lists, but I think that it could um, could be useful in like some lower powered decks of that commander. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think again, this is just a case of like if you want to pay mana for it, you can. Here's the option for it. It makes people who are playing mono white and they want to draw spell um no spoilers uh gives them something to do i i just think it's it's just better for the game that these cards exist and it is cool that this could just be a free spell on a mizzix list like 
that's awesome. So very happy with these colorless cards. Yeah, guys. So is this how we get a card drawn mono white? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no spoilers. No spoilers, Blake. Okay, okay, okay. No spoilers. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I guess uh, it is time for this next one. And so this is uh, another colorless card. And this is a modal double face card. The front side is Wandering Archaic, a 4-4 avatar for 5 generic. Whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay 2 generic. If they don't, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So it taxes your opponent's spells, and if they don't pay the tax, you do it too. Uh, So just hope they're not playing one with nothing or something. Um, (laughs) Explore the Vast Lands as the backside. It is a 3 generic sorcery. Each player looks at the top five cards of their library, reveals a land card and or an instant or sorcery card from among them, then puts the cards they revealed this way into their hand and the rest on the bottom of their library in a random order. Each player gains three life. So uh, that's kind of, I mean, you get two cards maybe, hopefully, if you built your deck right. Um, but it's kind of it's group huggy. I'm not, I'm not feeling it too much, but... I think it goes to the same thing that Nick was saying, where it is free in a Mizzix list. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i a little bit interested in this card, specifically the front side, oh, the, yeah. like, avatar creature, because, like, I don't know, like, it, like, yeah, it's just a generic value card that I kind of think is interesting and neat, because it's like, if you do have an opponent that's casting a lot of instants and sorceries, like, there's a good chance like you'll just get those as well. Like it could be generic value stuff like demonic tutor or like a ponder. Um, Cause like, if there's anything that I've learned over these years, like with risk study and like uh, smothering tithe, it's that people do not pay their taxes enough. And so like, you'll probably just get it. Yeah. I think yeah. again, I'm just happy that we got these colorless cards and th- there's um one more that we didn't put here that gets lands i just think that stuff like that like having these colorless cards in the format uh, in magic period is just good for the game um i think that the fact that their lessons is really cool because it means that like they're they're put they want this to be something that like every color can do like in a pinch if you're playing a green deck and you really need to blow up their like six six then you can go and get introduction to annihilation and make it happen but um uh maybe maybe someday we'll see how uh, commander decides to handle that but i think we're getting into the white cards now and we're starting off pretty strong <laughs> so yeah all right we are going to start off with devastating mastery two white 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 that's a lot of white. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a sorcery that uh, you can pay two white white rather than pay this spell's mana cost. If the two white white cost was paid, an opponent chooses up to two non-land permanents they control and returns them to their to their owner's hand. And then the most important line of text: destroy all non-land permanents. So this is part of a cycle, yes. And this one is a, like a mono white board wipe. <laughs> Yeah, that's something we've never seen before, you know? <laughs> um, I personally, though, really like this, uh, especially for my Avacyn list. I don't think the downside of having to pay four mana and then getting an opponent to 
save their things is really that much of a downside just because you would often want to like find the person who probably has the least amount of things on their board anyway so in when i say that i mean like you know if they don't have any like notable things i guess where that they would want it to be bounced to uh when it's destroyed they can bounce it back to their hands like if it's just like a a mana rock or like you know alanawar elves uh not not too many noteworthy things i guess um because then you know being able to reduce the mana cost and then just like wipe the board is pretty good yeah i i don't love that alternate cost but the option is nice um as an an avacyn um player would you kind of just run as many planar cleansing variants as you could like how many of these would you fit in your deck um i mean for me the main game plan is to really just find world slayer and then (laughs) you know go that way but in having this additional option because i what i dislike about like planar cleansing is that it costs too much so this is a little more appealing to me because then it just looks like a wrath of god yeah i I don't i well maybe planar cleansing is the wrong point of comparison like to me this looks like it's worse than uh hour of revelation i think it's less expensive but i think overall worse than undo inversion just because like undo inversion can be played as a land it has that flexibility so I, i think that like you know, this is probably the third best of, of these kinds of effects. Maybe the fourth, if you like really value a Chroma's Vengeance. I'm not certain how many of those effects it's correct to run. It, if an Avacyn list would run as many of these as you can, then yeah, it seems great. With that, we can move on to this next guy, who is a literal human. All right, we got Elite Spellbinder. He's not, you know, your amateur. He's Elite. <laughs> uh, Two white. Creature human cleric flying. When elite spellbinder enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non land card from it for as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast this way costs two more to cast. And it's a 3 1. And notably, it was designed by Paulo Peter uh, Damo de Rosa, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the world Paolo, champion. Yeah. PVDDR. <laughs> he's awesome you, you he's said like that much better than i did i i love him he's like he he's not only one of the best magic players period he just is a super nice guy and um has very good opinions on things so i'm really happy to see him like immortalized in the game that he is uh one of the standout players and it's really cool yeah it's um i could definitely see this card in like a Yorion list because you know you know the first time you do it is not very impactful but if you are really getting it going multiple times per round of turns that could be pretty pretty strong like with Yorion lists a lot of what you're doing is getting like a Yorion and like a Charming Prince or some other like slow blink ETB creature. So you just kind of loop the ETBs uh, every other turn. And with with that, like you're you're getting this elite spell binder multiple times per round of turns and you can really disrupt your opponents that way, eat up a lot of their mana, just trying to get their stuff out of exile. Um, so it seems like that would be the main application for it. I'm not sure where else you might want to play it. 
yeah i i like it i like the experimentation that white is getting with this and i think if you just have a ton of hate bears in your deck already like thalia or like aura of silence uh that this card's just going to make it harder for you to cast some of those like important pieces that you might have and you know being able to like look at your opponent's hand and have that information is pretty nice as well all right, I have a question for everybody. How do we kind of feel about this card? Because in the history of Magic, it's usually been black that has hand attack or hand disruption cards like Thoughtseize, Duress, and Inquisition of like Kozilek and other cards. And so now it's here in white. And I think I know the answer, but I want you guys to kind of say, like, how do you feel about white getting hand attack now? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Great. I like white get things. <laughs> For me, it doesn't feel too far off from like the taxing effects we've seen before. So it's it, it I I think it's like significantly different from Thoughtseize type stuff that that it's okay. I don't yeah. think it's a a break or anything. Mm-hmm. And I do like that there's some utility um on like a political axis because you got to you have the ability to kind of show everyone else at the table what some person is has got going on if they've been like sandbagging combo pieces or something or just like holding on to an armageddon for the right moment you can kind of expose their plans to the table i think that's pretty cool yeah to kind of go off of what you just said it doesn't feel so much as a break because it isn't making you discard it or um it's just kind of making it somewhat an extension of your opponent's hand because they still have access to it. It just costs a little more now for them to play. So, you know, I I think it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the, you know, new mono-white inclusion, but I hope we see more cards like this in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I would want to say. I think that this has, like, niche applications in Commander but I think it shows that they are willing to push white in new spaces, and that makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of new things for white and commander, just kidding, that's the next card after this. But <laughs> this one is uh, definitely notable. <laughs> yeah, this is reduced to memory. It is one white-white for a sorcery lesson. Exile target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token. Uh, does this guy, does this remind you guys of anything? Um, I don't know. I think if it was like, what if it was like, it cost two generic and a white and made an elephant instead? (laughs) Do you think that would see, I mean, that would be a pretty good card too, you know? (laughs) Make it instant speed. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, there we go. There, yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's the spice. Yeah, there you go. That's what it needs. Yeah, um, this compares very poorly to a generous gift. Um, and honestly, it's because it's a lesson. And uh, it would be great if you could learn reduced to memory. But you can't. So it's just going to be a bad uncommon. Or not even, I wouldn't say bad, just lackluster. Forgotten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is not going to be... Uh a staple in the way no. that it would be if it were an instant. 
Yeah. If it was an instant, like definitely auto include. If you could learn it also, like if learn actually worked in Commander, I actually think this would be a playable card, but um uh you 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 can't. So um that's that's it. I guess I guess it's the next card's turn, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is the one where they're definitely pushing the boundaries on something they tried. This is Secret Rendezvous. This is a sorcery. It costs one white, white. You and target opponent each draw three cards. So you are giving up a little bit more cards than you're getting. You're spending this card to give yourself three cards uh, while you're giving an opponent three cards. So you're only up two. You're falling behind on mana. So that's something. You're spending three cards to give yourself two cards and an opponent three cards. It's not super good. Really, like, I would only want to play this as, like, a political tool, and I'm not into my politics being uh, as group-huggy as this card is. So I'm I'm really not feeling it. Not to sound like a broken record uh, with my comment from Reduced to Memory, but if this were instant speed, I would probably like this a lot more, just because then you could use this as that political tool to say like, okay, I'm going to pick the person who is most likely going to be able to draw into like a um, answer to whatever the biggest threat is on the board. And so if I pick you, you have to use that card. So then it almost kind of evens out where, you know, um, instead of like uh, doing plus two on yourself, your opponent would also do kind of uh plus two because they're having to use something else to uh, answer your other opponent who might be the bigger threat. But uh, Wizards says Wizards is at least trying. Um, Got to give them that, I think. <laughs> I think the idea of making this instant speed is pretty interesting because that would give you another angle to um, kind of break the symmetry on it. Like if you have an opponent with, you know, six or seven cards in hand, casting it during their end step where they would then have to discard a lot of what they drew or at least discard several cards and the the benefit to them wouldn't be quite as great. I think that would make this card a lot more attractive. But as it stands, you know, I am not very keen on this. I I just don't think this is what is going to get white what it needs. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for some context, like, I think this all really started off with, like, Happily Ever After back in, like, Throne of Eldraine, where, like, everyone, every single player drew a card. And this is definitely a notable step above that. But I think, we, all, yeah, we all agree that this is just not like, oh, now I actually want to play Mono White. Hmm. <laughs> So yeah, that means in like two years, we'll finally see our first good mono white draw card. <laughs> Speaking uh, of good mono white cards, if we can go to the next one though. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for this one. It is Semester's End, three and a white for an instant that says exile any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers you control. At the beginning of the next end step, return each of them to the battlefield under its owner's control. Each of them enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter if it's a creature and an additional loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker. It's like Eerie Interlude 2.0. It's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this card. Um, 
it's not well one thing that i think it has over eerie interlude is mm-hmm. the fact that it returns them at the beginning of the next end step. So not only is it sort of a proactive thing you can do where, oh, I blink all my guys and get a lot of value, but also it's a way to protect them from board wipes in, in that if an opponent casts a damnation or something, whoop, all my guys are gone and they return at the next end step. Yeah, I just kind of think of it as a nerf to various protection in that way. Well, though, unfortunately, like, you know, to various protections best used when you know, you're about to lose. Uh, semester's End's not going to be able to save you from losing the game, unfortunately. Yeah, I definitely think that that's like the less, probably the less useful mode. I think people are going to run this mostly for the eerie interlude side and then just get a little bit of additional value on top of that potentially. I think, uh, do we want to get onto this next one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do Sparring Regimen. Two in a white, Enchantment. When Sparring Regimen enters the battlefield, learn. So in this instance, you would have to uh, discard a card and then draw a card. And whenever you attack, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature and untap it. Yeah. What do we think? Uh, I like this. Um, If you have like a Micaeus the Lunark deck, um, you can... You can like attack with your Micaeus. Um, you get a plus one plus one counter on it. You untap it, and then you can tap your Micaeus, remove that counter, put a counter on all your guys. Uh, it just makes it so that you can like activate your Micaeus every turn without going down, and the rest of your guys are going to subsequently get a lot larger as time goes on. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm not sure this has a a lot of utility in Commander. I think one day when white gets the ability to like use counters for something uh, i'm not sure when that day will come in our like interview with arania the white mana guru he was very into white like just building just only building only protecting um was also into white getting card draw so i actually have a feeling that like he probably has some some amount of work in this like rummaging and plus one plus one counters but until the day when white can spend plus one plus one counters as a resource like blue or green can, um, we'll probably not be playing with this card too much. Uh, this next card is Strict Proctor, one in white for a 1-3 spirit cleric with flying. And whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays two. How do you all feel about this card? I kept on going back and forth the day that it came out. Like, oh my gosh, this is like way better than like all the other cards it compares to, like Takali Honor Guard and the Hushwing Griff. And then I'm like, no. And then I'm like, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And I kind of came to the conclusion that it's like just kind of generic as the other ones are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually like this more, but for very different reasons. I think it compares pretty poorly to those two. <laughs> <laughs> like I think Torpor Orb is just better than Strict Proctor, just period. Usually if you're playing Torpor Orb in a list, you don't you're you're not running a lot of ETB creatures. Um where I think if I was playing a strict proctor in a list, I would actually be looking to abuse the trigger. You know, I would be looking to be like, what is a nasty trigger that I don't want to happen <laughs> so that I can not pay the two and counter it. Um, and I think that's something that's interesting for white to get, you know, but um, 
but I don't think I would play it as just a kind of like stifly hate berry card, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I was kind of with Blake where I went back and forth about whether or not I would want to kind of include this in my hate bears deck. Um, I think it I mean, Blake, you and I should just run this because, you know, it would host Park, our, <laughs> our friend who has a pretty aggressive landfall deck that just burns <laughs> us out a lot of the times. Yeah. So, you know, it, I think it would depend more on the meta um, and mm-hmm. maybe being able to really get the best out of this and just making sure that you know it's not gonna affect you as much as it is going to affect your opponents Mm. yeah i mean i think the landfall thing is really important to bring up because the definitely like there's a few cards in the set that i can see like oh like this is good in commander but it's because you were designing for brawl that's this card in Mm. like 100 percent. that's what this card is um, this card makes it so that all these landfall triggers, all these scoot swarms and phylaths and all these things, like you can't just drop a phylath and then play a land and then it's a fabled passage and you get eight counters on a guy, you know, like th- this is definitely a card that was designed with brawl in mind that plays pretty well with eternal formats. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's what I see when I see this card. I don't see like a new, cool, strong like to Kotli on our guard, I see something that they're like, well, this is be kind of cool and put it into the world, but it's for standard. Uh, this is not an important question, but guy, why does this card have flying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it looks like it's standing with all the students. Mm. Yeah, that's oh, kind of yeah. my other beef about this card is because there's another card in the set that's a spirit that does look like it has flying, but it doesn't. <laughs> then I was like, okay, but then this one does, and it looks like it's just standing on the ground. So, like, what gives here, Watsy? I thought just we were doing better about this. I, I'm yes. guessing in this case it was just like a developmental knob tweaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like it could be flying, maybe. So yeah, who knows? Hey, we're in the uh, we're in the blue cards now. All right. Woo-hoo! We're doing it, everyone. We're getting there. Um, so I think it's my turn, right? This is mm-hmm. my turn. Yep. So this is Archmage Emeritus. This is a 2-2 human wizard for 2 blue-blue, so 4 CMC. And it has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, draw a card. Mm, that's it. You. That, that's it. You play <laughs> this spell, is, draw this a card. Is strong as hell. This is real good. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is like legitimately crazy. I like actually legitimately did not think that we would see this on a mono blue card. Yeah, like any blue X spell slinger list is going to want is going to want this. That could be like Mizix, Kaikar, Talrand, Krark, Sakashima, Niv Mizzet, Parin, Will and Rowan. Uh, there's so many decks that are going to want this card. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it now. It's probably it's not the best card in the set i don't think but i think it is one of the best cards yes mm-hmm. i think it, it's one of the cards that'll have the wide it like uh nick actually used to do set reviews where he had a uh like a spread like how many decks will play this card uh, and mm-hmm. like this is a huge spread this is a very large number on that one like just a ton of lists are going to be playing this card and i thought they kind of like went there when they had whirlwind of thought which is a Jeskai enchantment that whenever you cast a non-creature spell draw a card 
I was like, oh, wow, I'm really impressed that they printed this. This is actually even more like, oh, they like fear no God. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just, <laughs> they're just putting this stuff out now. So yeah, really, There's really no, surprising. Like, restrictive mana cost on this thing to keep you from playing it on your decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just, you got a blue deck. Here's a really powerful effect. Here you go. <laughs> I think this is the BioBox promo too. I just want to throw out there. So if you really, really like this card, I think there will be a separate art for it. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Woo! I'm excited about this next card. <laughs> in a way, speaking oh, of spread, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have a resculpt for one in a blue instant. You can exile target artifact or creature. Its controller creates a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token. Remember Raven form back in Kaldheim and the backlash that card got? And then they were like, okay, we promise not to make other cards like this. Well, psych, <laughs> we get another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to know that um, this is basically going to be the last effect of this kind that we see. Uh, Mark Rosewater stated that transforming artifacts is no longer part of Blue's color pie. We're not going to get any more cards like this, but man, they really uh, let a powerful one out the door before they slammed it. <laughs> they sure did. And at common, no less. So pretty easy to pick up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the important thing about this is like they're not going to print any more cards like this, but that doesn't mean they're not going to reprint this in like a Modern Horizons or like a modern master, you know, like, or, or just I, like future commander decks. Exactly. So I think there, there, there's some people I've seen, uh, some like friends in our discord on the internet that were like, Oh, just pick up as many co copies as possible. Like, I don't think you need to do that. Uh, I, I do think pick them up. You're going to play them. <laughs> You're just going to play them They're It's so good, but I don't think go crazy on it because this is a very easy card to reprint in these, uh, supplemental type products yeah exactly these supplemental sets that like exclude standard you know mm -hmm. um and i think this next one is uh also another potential staple yeah blue's got yeah. some bangers this set yeah so that would be solve the equation two in a blue it's got our favorite quandrix girl on there zamone uh, it's a so yeah it's a sorcery. Search your library for an instant or sorcery card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Um, so I kind of saw this as like an idyllic tutor type card, um, but it can search for sorceries and instants. And, you know, idyllic tutor's a pretty commonly run card in uh, decks that have white and care about enchantments. So I feel like this is... This is going to be up there in terms of like, you know, good instance and sorcery uh, tutoring. Yeah, I think that one thing that distinguishes it from Idyllic Tutor and that makes it a lot better than Idyllic Tutor is um, if you're running this in a deck that cares about instance and sorceries, you're not reducing your, uh, your count of instance and sorceries to run your tutor. Like, mm. Idyllic Tutor is one less enchantment in your enchantment deck. Um, like, one less slot that you're spending on enchantments. It's it's reducing... Um, whereas this is just one more instant to trigger your Mizzix or to trigger your Magecraft or 
um, whatever else you're doing. And it's also something that's going to get like reduced, it's cost reduced by Mizzix, or it's going to draw you a card off of Niv Mizzix Parun. Um, it's just another, uh, another way to, to get value off of these cards that, that care about instants and sorceries. Yeah, that's a really good point. I totally didn't think about that. Yeah, just the fact that this card exists is going to like change a lot of lists and like really pump a lot of power into I mean commander at large, but like CEDH, like it this is a very, very strong card. I'm I'm amazed that they printed it. Um Do you think blue. they needed to print it? No. <laughs> I do not. I think we had Merchant Scroll. Uh I think we had uh Mystical Tutor. I think we had uh Personal some... Tutor. Yeah, exactly. I mean we've had blue tutors, we have uh card draw and blue. I think like giving blue a tutor to get whatever tool, the counterspell it needs, whatever is not I don't think the color of card draw needs more help with card selection you know like seems superfluous to me but that's a good point yeah i i kind of agree with that but at the same time i do think that printing more cards like this where some of those other cards like mystical tutor or personal tutor which can be a little pricier this does kind of come in as your more budget friendly mm -hmm. option that that's true yeah it's just kind of do we print more budget-friendly cards so, you know, more players have access to them? But then at the same time, you know, the people who already have those more expensive cards now just have, you know, a four-fifth copy of set effect that is pretty good. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, tough. it's just notable. Like, it, it's exactly what you said. Like, if you already had the other versions of this card that are pretty good and expensive, this is another copy of it. But it's also, like Nick said, like, the fact that, like I feel like someone looked at Fabricate and was like, Oh, that didn't break anything. And then was like, <laughs> what else can blue get? And now we have solved the equation when they're not, <laughs> it's they're not, not comparable. It, yeah. No, it is. It is a very different situation. Like artifacts are, are so limited in what they can do because so many of them are colorless. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. and it, sorceries are just powerful, crazy powerful. Yeah. Especially, uh, especially in blue. Yeah. So, but 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 um who would have thought that blue would get some really powerful effects in the spell casting set <laughs> <laughs> not me just kidding it was um which kind of actually mm -hmm. oh sorry the last thing I, I was just gonna say is i guess they may not have solved the equation on this one just quite yet <laughs> oh i have <laughs> one less i have one last comment to say as well yeah uh, earlier when we were, or rather in our previous episode, when we were going over the commanders in the set, we talked a bit about some two card combos with Rutha Mercurial Artist. It's worth noting that Solve the Equation is actually a one card combo in Rutha because you can just copy it with Rutha and get both halves of your combo. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, man. Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. Right. I know I know certain like Watsi staff have said like, oh, we're gonna slow down with tutors and commander, but then we have this next card. <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> Oh yeah, that I'll, is I'll such this a, one off. Yeah, that is such a good point. Oh man. Um so we're in the black cards, and is it who who's reading this? One? Uh it's it's mine. So nice. this is Auric Lore Mage. 
two black black for a three three human warlock. Tap, search your library for a card, put it into your graveyard, then shuffle. If it's an instant or sorcery card, put a plus one plus one counter on Auric Lore Mage. Uh, how do you all feel about this? <laughs> Selfishly good. <laughs> kind of bad, but I actually do think this card is fair. I, I think four mana and not having haste is is probably fine. I, I would say it's too fair. That's, that's yeah. kind of my position on it. It reminds me of I I'm blanking on the name, but it's the black legendary back in Kaldheim that let you vampiric tutor if you boasted. Oh, Varagoth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that where everyone's like, oh my gosh. Um, maybe a little bit less so because this can only be in the 99, but I'm kind of getting similar vibes. We're like, I know it's like repeatable tutor effect. It's not the most efficient tutor in this format, but it's a tutor nonetheless. Mm. As, oh yeah, you can go for it. Uh, just like the fact that Grim Tutor is, you know, being reprinted in standard, like this is searching searching out things and putting them into your graveyard is like a narrow and like weaker subset of just tutoring things to your hand. So I would kind of hope that we could get it at a better rate than this. Uh, it's unfortunate that tutoring things to your graveyard like requires you to pay more mana than a grim tutor and wait a whole extra turn. Uh, and it can be answered by removal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just like, generally not sexy but i will say that um it's it's pretty good in like a chainer 2.0 list like the the rakdos chainer because if you cast this out of your graveyard it's going to have haste you can activate it immediately and then you can kind of stack your graveyard for future chainer activations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i kind of was gonna say a similar thing um you mentioned one of them chainer i think there are some lists and and the only reason i say this is because i'm just obsessed with the graveyard so um there are some lists that want to tutor to the graveyard but they also want creatures so um i think like something like this is really good also in like a sir conrad um kind of gets whatever like combo piece you need into your yard that you can then combo out with or just like a dredge creature or something like that um i'm probably gonna try this in my jared list just because uh it tutoring to the graveyard is just as good a lot of the time in that list Uh, so i don't think this doesn't have i I agree with nick that it is very fair um and i very much like this card (laughs) but i do think that the tutoring and i'm gonna apologize a lot for shuffling um while i play this card and uh yeah, it is funny, like Blake said, that they said they're going to cut down on tutoring and then they keep, they put a bunch of tutors into this set. <laughs> it's really, really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, I think we can move on to the next card. Sounds like, sounds like we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is kind of a doozy. So this is Plum the Forbidden. This is an uncommon. It's an instant. It costs one and a black. It has as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may sacrifice one or more creatures. When you do copy this spell for each creature sacrificed this way, you draw. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, that, that's the first part. So you can you basically make a bunch of copies when you cast a spell. What does the spell do? You draw a card and you lose one life. <laughs> so, 
Um, it is uh, an instant speed sack outlet for a lot of your cards, but it's a pretty good response to like a board wipe. It's it's pretty good in a lot of like token lists. Endric Sar would probably eat this up. Like, uh, yeah, I I actually am pretty high on this card. Yeah, so am I. It's only like two mana. It's an instant, and if you can. Like black can make a whole bunch of small creatures that is just sack fodder. This can draw you a whole bunch of cards and yeah, you'll lose a bit of life, but you don't really care. And this can just be an explosive, like mass draw spell at instant mm-hmm. speed. Yeah. Like reprocess doesn't see a whole lot of play. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but two mana instant speed reprocess, that's pretty good. The only thing that I was gonna say is I think that this, you know small synergy uh just pairs pretty well with your little pest tokens because you know you sacrifice a bunch of them and you'll gain a life uh you know and then you're just kind of like breaking even on that life but you're drawing a bunch of cards so you know you know just like a little tidbit for you guys out there yeah it definitely (laughs) seems like that's sort of what you're supposed to do with this in um in like limited um but in, in like Commander, I, I was a little low on it just because I really prefer when my sack outlets are repeatable. I kind of like to grind value out over, over multiple turns. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a deck that can like assemble a lot of tokens at once, like an Endrixar, I think it does make a lot of sense. And I think with that, it is once again time to get to the next card, which actually is... is... I'm actually kind of excited about this. Yeah, like, wow, like, if only this card could synergize with other cards, what, what's one that we could think of? Oh, look at this next card. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sedgemore Witch is two and a black for 3-2 creature human warlock with menace. And ward, where the ward cost is to pay three life. So again, if you want to target this card, you got to pay three life. Otherwise, it's countered. All right, and then it also has Magecraft, if that wasn't enough. And so whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain one life. So remember that life you were losing off of Plum Plum the Forbidden, you'll gain it right back. (laughs) No, I I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. (laughs) I I saw some some hands and wasn't sure. Um, I think that this... This is a really cool reward for Magecraft in Black, and uh, I'm into it. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is like a neat reward. Cards like this have um, seen a lot of adoption in the past, like Young Pyromancer, Talran, Sahili, Sublime Artificer. All of those are like solid staples in like spell slingery archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, I'm not sure how many like black spell slinger lists are going to want this um, because it's the kind of reward that um, takes time to pay off. Like even if you're generating infinite pests, you Mm -hmm. then have to like either have a sack outlet to turn that into infinite life or you have to wait a turn to turn them sideways. So I'm not sure what black storm type lists um, are going to be interested in this. And I was wondering if, you all had like a specific commander in mind for for Sedgemore Witch. 
Yeah, that's a good point. There's not too much intersection between, I mean, there is a little bit, but there's not too much intersection between like the Spellslinger archetype and the more aristocrat sacrifice archetype. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is true. So maybe this won't see as much play as I had initially thought. I mean, mm-hmm. if you got your chain of smog, you know, the card that everyone's hyped over, uh, you could just create a bunch of little green pest creature tokens. Uh, We're just going to say that with every Magecraft card guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. I, I was going to say, um, like, right now, the only thing that comes to mind is the... Oh, no, I just had it in my brain, and now I can't remember it. There is the one, uh, Kess. Kess is probably where I would play mm-hmm. this right now, the Dissident Mage. You can play spells out of your graveyard. I've seen Kess decks that just can play, like, seven to 20 spells in a turn just slanging those spells so that would be a lot of pests that would be a lot of life muscle blockers whatever um that's probably where i would put this right now um i think in the future we're going to like get more things that will work with this that's kind of my guess um if Wizards is going to be pushing things towards interaction. Well, what's the best form of interaction? It's like spells and abilities, right? That's like one of the reasons I think Kaldheim was pretty complicated was there's a lot of onboard tricks and they don't normally do that. And some of them weren't tricks because they were sorcery speed, but you had to read the card to know that and blah, 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 (laughs) Uh, which actually kind of brings me to, I just had a brain blast as I was talking about this. Carrick, son of Yagmoth, also might be another place where you're just casting a bunch of black spells in one turn, uh, getting a bunch of pests. So I don't think this has a home per se right now, necessarily, but I think it will. I think uh, I think this will end up being a bigger player in some commander we might see later this year in a year or two or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our first red card. Uh, conspiracy theorist one in a red creature human shaman whenever conspiracy theorist attacks you may pay one mana and discard a card if you do draw a card whenever you discard one or more non-land cards you may exile one of them from your graveyard if you do you may cast it this turn and it's a 2-2 this is my invitational card by the way (laughs) (laughs) this is so good uh, this is yeah, this is amazing. Um, I have for the longest time been a huge fan of all the red rummaging spells, like you know, tormenting voice, thrill of possibility, um, all of those things. And so, if you're giving me a way to like get those cards back to like actually just turn them into into pure draw spells, oh my god, I am. So therefore it I'm I'm really keen on on tossing the conspiracy theorists into a ton of decks. I'd run it in uh Harnfell and Burgey, that that double face list. Um I'd run it in Chainer, like Rakdos Chainer, I'd run it in Neheb the Eternal, I'd run it in Neheb Dreadhorde Champion, Riel, Zerzoth, Gallia, like there's so many decks where this is just gonna be sweet as hell. Sounds super excited about it. I am. <laughs> no, I, I honestly am too. I think that this is 
this already fits into so many decks that I already have. <laughs> and I am I am super excited to get to play with this card. It's just so rad. Yeah, I think you guys pretty much nailed it with that. Uh, good card. Good card. All right, so this is Crackle with Power. XXX red red for a sorcery. Crackle with Power deals five times X damage to each of X each of up to X targets. Uh, and can someone give us a quick breakdown of, of how that works out? Like what the, what you're getting at each mana point here? Yeah. So you came to the right guy. Um, <laughs> I'm selling cheat sheets for all of you guys who don't want to do your math in school. So if you have X equal one, so that would be a total of five mana. You will deal five damage to one target. X equals two, that's eight mana total, 10 damage each to two targets. X equals three, 15 damage of up to three targets, that it would be 11 mana. X equals four, 20 damage up to four targets, 14 mana. And because I don't want to go on much longer, X equals five, 25 damage each up to five targets for 17 mana. Uh yeah, so Strixhaven's really like a school making us do math like this, you know. <laughs> Guy, at the end of the last episode, you said you were bad at math, and here you are throwing all these numbers at us. What what's up? Oh, it, it's nice that you're able to like remember things, Blake. Uh, now that we're you know sober, talking about magic cards, which we don't often do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it seems pretty good. I like I like this a lot. This is a one of the highlights for me for this set. I don't know how to say this nicely. When we did our interview with Jules Robbins about red, he was like, red kind of needs some things that are big and splashy. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like red can be pretty big and splashy just right now. And uh, lo and behold, <laughs> here we are <laughs> with crackle with power and it's pretty big and it's pretty splashy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it requires a lot of mana. I'm not sure if I if the like base level X equals one is enough for me. So I feel like obviously that's like the baseline in which you measure this card and um, five damage to one target uh, for five mana. I'm not sure I really want to play that, even if I can theoretically make it infinite mana and burn all my opponents and win. There's a lot of like X red spells that can do that already. So I'm not really sure if I'm going to play this, to be honest. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, this just looks like a downgrade from Comet Storm. Like, if I want like an outlet for my infinite mana, I'd prefer it be an instant. You know, that's also just like a more efficient way to convert mana into damage. So I'm not super keen on this either. All right. Well, in that case, we can just move on to the next card. We can move on to Afrit Flame Painter. Three and a red for a 1-4 creature Afrit Shaman with double strike. So when it deals combat damage to a player, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. So, I mean, it's not half bad. It's like if you deal combat damage, you get to recast a spell. And it's nice that it's allows you to cast it without paying its mana cost. So it could be something huge and splashy and super impactful, right? Yeah, I was thinking like Savine, the Chronoclasm might be interested in this. 
Um, that deck, you know, it rewards you when you play things out of your graveyard. Um, it's heavily spell-based, so you're going to have a lot of good targets. Um, I was also thinking maybe Chainer Nightmare Adept, because that has, you know, an outlet for discarding maybe expensive spells, and Chainer can also give the Flame Painter um, haste if you're casting it out of your graveyard. Yeah, I think that as time goes on, this is this effect is going to be something that gets better. Um, there's the uh, what was the one that broke modern that they just banned Dread Horde Arcanist. Um, the, I think we're going to see more of these um, effects over time, and this is just the next in the line of that i think this is better especially in commander than dread arcanist was because you had to pump his power this is just good and as time goes on and as we get big splashy red instants and sorceries this will just get this will just be better this is just good <laughs> so i think right now there's uh we're gonna see some pretty repetitive play with it we're gonna see i don't know uh extra combats we're gonna see burn spells we're gonna see draw spells something like that but um as they print bigger splashier spells it'll be cooler that's my guess so i do want to mention i think uh i can't remember if in the legendary creature episode we talked about feather but this is also tech for feather uh and the amount of cards that are tech for feather in this set are off the rails there's so many so if i keep mentioning stuff about feather please uh, i'll try and stop <laughs> but <laughs> kind of harped on tutors a little bit just a couple cards ago but let me tell you about this sweet new tutor called fervent mastery it is three red red it's a sorcery and it does have the clause you may pay two red red rather than pay the spell's mana cost if the two red red cost was paid, an opponent discards any number of cards, then draws that many number of then draws that many cards. Search your library for up to three cards, put them into your hand, shuffle, then discard three cards at random. Uh, I love this just because it reminds me of Gamble, which is one of my favorite cards. And I would just go and probably search for you know, the the easy win for me, which would be like LED, Wheel of Fortune, Underworld Breach, and then, you know, just kind of set up that line there. So long as my Underworld Breach doesn't get discarded, <laughs> um, which now saying that that's probably going to happen to me almost every single time. <laughs> um, and I think similar to how we talked with the white card, uh, the downside of this isn't that bad. Um, it's because in my mind, I'm just going to be picking the person who has the lowest life, uh, not life total, uh, lowest hand size, uh, just because they're either likely not going to be able to discard the cards because they're trying to keep those, or they're just not going to be able to draw enough answers in response to me paying a cheaper mana cost. What mm -hmm. do you guys think? There's just a suite of red commanders now. Uh, kind of uh, even some that Nick was talking about with the Ifrit that we just came off of, but that they don't really care whether the card is in their hand or in the graveyard. Um, there's just more than ever now. So Triple and Tomb 
with any of these red commanders, artifact commanders, Chainer 2.0, like Felden already. Um, there's so many now. Gen we got in Commander Legends, uh, Osgear that we're getting in this commander set that, uh, spoiler alert, we'll talk about in another episode. Haha. <laughs> um, it's just seems like this is fine. There's enough decks that will be like, you know what? Triple and Tomb, sign me up that uh, this will probably have a place in the format. Yeah. And this isn't, uh, it's not terrible as like an intuition if you're really desperate. Uh, yeah. I, I think that like if you get three copies of the same effect, in you know and you're adding them to a hand with a decent number of cards in it already you're likely to keep at least one of them so if you really really need a, a board wipe or something i think this could be could be used for that i guess we'll move on does that sound good mm -hmm. yeah well this next card is first day of class it's an instant one in a red and whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control this turn put a plus one plus one counter on it and it gains haste until end of turn it also has learn uh which in the context of commander means you may discard a card to draw a card so where do you think this will get used um i think that this is very good with persist creatures uh i think like anything that is going to enter with minus one minus one counters uh so a deck that's already doing that as like crumb goalie that's that's the one that comes to mind at first and the fact that this is an instant the fact that you do rummage and the fact that all this is stapled to a common that seems seems pretty good mm -hmm. all right uh oh this next one's a doozy y'all ready for this <laughs> this is storm kiln arcanist so yeah, this is a doozy. So this is a two-two dwarf shaman for four mana, three in a red. Stormkiln Arcanist gets plus one plus zero oh for each artifact you control, and it has a magecraft ability. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure. So uh, <laughs> discuss. <laughs> this is actually the first time I saw that it got plus one plus zero oh for each artifact you control. I had come that part of the text had completely fallen out of my head <laughs> yeah. because I was so uh -huh. laser focused on this magecraft trigger, uh, which is insane, by the way. I'm, I'm totally down to like argue with people like, what's the best magecraft card? Um, I'm staking my bets on this one because, uh, you know, you're just casting spells and like you're probably drawing cards off of your instants and sorceries, good chance. And like, well, now that you have all these cards, what are you going to do? You need mana. Oh, what's this? I have all this treasure. Let me just play these ones now. And then it'll just keep steamrolling. And oh, I can see this being really, really, really good. Yeah. in the same way that like Archmage Emeritus is like an auto include for any blue X Spellsinger deck. This just seems like an auto include for any red X Spellsinger deck. I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, just because like... Mm -hmm. This is an insane card. Um, <laughs> good card is good. Yeah, good card is good. There we go. Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to add anything either. I was just going to say the same thing, which uh, also brings us to the next card, if everyone's ready. Actually, I just have one uh, one other thing that I'd like to say, because I just noticed this as well, because I think I'm with Nick where, you know, you focus so much on one detail, you didn't really notice, but uh, our Stormkiln Arnis is wearing a tutu. Did anyone else catch that? Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I also had not got that. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I know the Prismari are meant to be the artsy students, and so that, that's a cute little detail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that is that is cute. Um, <laughs> so this is called Sudden Breakthrough. This is an instant. It costs one and a red. Target creature gets plus two, plus zero, and gains first strike until end of turn. Create a treasure token. Uh, so, I mean, it, two of my favorite commanders are Zada and Feather. Uh, I have a Feather list that I love so dearly. Um, and I actually... I think this is probably good enough to make the cut. Um, one of the problems with that deck is that you are so mana hungry all the time. <laughs> so having a trick that maybe it doesn't get you a card, but it makes it so that you can cast more spells in a turn would be awesome. So And on top of that buffing, um, I think people really... As someone who's played a lot of Feather now, like it, the cards that buff Feather are actually a really good way to end the game. <laughs> <laughs> so getting a passive kind of plus two plus oh uh not for free but uh in a way that can chain together with other cards seems like very good to me and seems like it kind of fits another game plan that i'm really trying to hit on with a feather list yeah and this definitely does seem incredible in zeta like not only you know easily it's going to generate easily like seven or eight treasures or more um, because that's just kind of how Zeta operates, but it's also like a significant anthem for your team. So it just does like everything you want a card in that deck to do. Twin scroll shaman two and a red for a one, two creature dwarf shaman. And it has double strike. Um, you guys tell me about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I tossed this on our document. Um, just because there are a couple of red commanders that grant um, or that have like combat damage triggers that are applied to all your creatures. So if you put this in like a Grenzo um, Havoc Razor list, then you get to uh, impulse draw two cards off of your opponent's library. Or if you put this in a Subira list, then when it connects, you can draw two cards off of it. Uh, I think those are the kind of decks that this would shine in. Huh. Hadn't thought about that. Hmm. All right. So now we get to move into our final single color, uh, green. And we got quite an interesting one that you won't find necessarily in the main set, but it is Abundant Harvest. It is a only one green. Sorcery, choose land or non-land. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of the chosen kind. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is very interesting because this is kind of a preview for Modern Horizons 2, but you can find it now in the Mystical Archives. Yeah, and one thing I, I find really interesting about this is like we've seen green cantrips kind of evolve over time. Um, it used to be that they were pretty much just like, look at the top, you know, X cards of your library, uh, choose like a creature or choose a land and put it in your hand and the rest on your, the bottom of your library in a random order. This is different in a couple of ways. Like it can't whiff, um, although they've, they've been experimenting a little bit with like can't whiff technology on these cards um, in like M21 or in Zendikar Rising because they would have that little rider at the end. Like, you know, if you don't, put a card into your hand this way, then draw a card. But what I think is especially interesting about this card is um, 
the fact that it can sort of chain into itself, it's not like uh, it's not like a mulch or a Seder wayfinder or anything in that it tells you specifically what to find, but you could run an abundant harvest in a list that's like mostly instance and sorceries uh, and just sort of go like abundant harvest into like a similar type of cantrip. So to me, it, it seems because it's so much more open-ended than what we typically see in green, it looks more like a ponder or something like that. Um, and I think that, you know, you know, ponder sees a significant amount of play in commander. And I think that if we see more cards like this, it might lead to some more like spell slingy decks in green color identities, especially if there's like any good mage craft triggers to exploit. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head uh, with what I wanted to say too. Like we, we've, it seems like they've really wanted to push like um, adventurous impulse, like one green sorcery, look at the top three, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it seems like they're really trying to put some more cantrips and more spells and like branch green out so that it too is kind of doing things that it wasn't doing before. Yeah. And, and we've all been really concerned about how small greens color pie is. So. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I just, it's just interesting to see them do this with abundant harvest and like really push cards like this. So I, I, it's like very obvious to me that they're like shifting color pie stuff. Obviously they're doing that because of white. It's now more obvious to see that, no, they're really trying to like swivel the whole pie, <laughs> you know, like moving forward, things are going to look different for every color, not just white or not just red, you know? So I think this, that this card existing might be a sign of that for the future. And that that's mostly what I want to say about it. All right. I can read this next card. It is accomplished alchemist three and a green for a two, five elf druid. It has tap add one mana of any color or tap add X mana of any one color where X is the amount of life you gained this turn. Uh, where do you guys think this will be good? What do you think of this card? Uh, gosh, like there's just so many good Mandorks these days. Like mostly people are only running the one CMC Mandorks these days. There are exceptions like Bloom Tender and... Um, that tree folk that taps, that's also a bloom tender. So I think if you're running this card, you really are running it for the tap. Um, add X mana of any one color and then gain that amount of life. Or uh, the amount you gain this turn. Yeah, I think this is just very good in lists that gain a lot of life, and that's pretty much it. Because a four mana dork that taps for one is not worth it. I can do that for one mana. But... <laughs> um, if this is tapping for 20, <laughs> if this is tapping for five plus, then I'm pretty into it. So that that's a decent amount of lists, actually. Like most things with white could pull it off. Tristani and green white, Ikrishadiki with a partner that gives a big booty life. Yeah, Lathiel, the unicorn, gains a ton of life, gets very large very quickly. This will tap for a ton in there. Uh, Sapling and Colfinor. Also, big booties matter. Why does all the big booty cards gain life? I just realized. And then the first wrist just will end up gaining a ton of life in your elves list. So there, there's like a ton of. That's not like even an exhaustive list. There are more decks that gain life 
and can gain a lot of life. So I expect this to be in any like green X list that's any green X list that's specifically gaining life, which I assume is going to be more weather bloomless as well. This is probably fine. <laughs> yeah, how much, good. Um, how much life each turn do you think you need to be able to gain on average for this to be worth running? Just because you don't want to play this and then next turn when you're able to tap it, have that not be able to, you know, kind of like get the big payoff of um getting more than just one mana i would say four to five is the threshold because like currently i i wouldn't play like that that card in kaldheim that's like three in a green for a three three elf that taps for green 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 i wouldn't play that but once you start get getting to like four or five mana it's a lot more attractive it, it starts to look sort of like a um like a frontier siege, which is a card that's just fine. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I actually don't even necessarily know if I care about a consistent stream of life gain as much as I care about like big turns. So like getting 20 mana in one turn or 10 mana in one turn is probably worth it, even if it doesn't tap for four or five each turn, you know? Like sometimes all you need is 20 mana to win the game. That's fair enough. <laughs> So th those are the two instances. I think I agree with Nick. Like if my deck can consistently gain five life a turn, I'm probably chill. Um, so that's like new Omnath, Omnath 4.0, stuff like that. Um, or if I can get a turn where I'm gaining 15 plus life and just making 15 mana, 15 plus mana, that's probably worth it also. Ooh, I'm excited about this next one. Can I read this next one? Yeah, go for it. Awesome, sweet. All right, this next card is Ecological Appreciation. Costs X, 2, and green for sorcery. That says, search your library and graveyard for up to four creature cards with different names that each have mana value X or less and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards. Shuffle the chosen cards into your library and put the rest onto the battlefield. Exile Ecological Appreciation. So that's kind of a lot of words. It's a little bit complicated. So just to break it down, this is kind of like Gifts Ungiven, which is like similar but different. Like the major differences are that ecological appreciation is green, it only gets creatures, and it's at sorcery speed. Um, notably, the chosen cards are shuffled into the library instead of put into the graveyard. The other cards are then put into play instead of put into hand, and then ecological appreciation exiles itself whereas gifts ungiven doesn't and um i know somebody's going to ask this so i just want to be crystal clear to anyone listening this does not need to be banned at all no <laughs> oh no if, i mean if tooth and nail is legal this has no chance yeah but i know someone's going to ask so i just want to be crystal clear about that <laughs> mm -hmm. uh i think this could be cute as like a um a political tool to like surgically remove a couple threats like if you have you know a reclamation sage and a um a big game hunter like you could find someone at the table who like doesn't like that big creature and doesn't like that big scary enchantment who will just let you get those two to take them out 
Yeah, the politicalness of the card is like I don't think should be understated. And that said, I don't actually think you have to be political. <laughs> I think there's just a ton of instances in which you can come up with a suite of creatures in which it it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't, and uh, you're gonna get kind of what you need either way. So you you may have noticed this multiple occasions throughout these couple episodes and i've just stated like yeah i haven't read the card completely thoroughly (laughs) enough to be able to truly evaluate it and you know this was no exception because i misunderstood that one um you know x equaling one is pretty good because you can find four creatures i thought all the different creatures would need different mana values um and then you Put the creatures onto the battlefield so uh that's pretty good but where do you guys think is kind of like the sweet spot for x like how much do you put into x to be able to go find some creatures honestly i am perfectly satisfied with x being even just one because like you could at the bare minimum just get like a suite of mana dorks right and then you've paid four mana sorcery speed to get like ramp yourself to mana like honestly that's not that bad and that's like the bare minimum i think yeah it's kind of like explosive vegetation mode right there yeah Mm -hmm. i i'm convinced i have not like gone through the loop yet but i'm pretty sure you could do something at two with like a like a blood ghast and a hermit druid and like two other things and (laughs) like make sure that you can either value out or combo out or get like an engine running pretty quickly. Uh, I have to do more research there. This set uh, was spoiled very quickly and we are in the midst of even more spoils, you know, so. But yeah. it is worth it, worthwhile to know, like obviously as the years progress, like this is kind of like intuition piles or like, like as time passes, there's just going to be more and more options to potentially break this card. If you are in the, in the mindset of trying to break this card to create a pile that will always win. Mm -hmm. I definitely Mm -hmm. think it's possible. I will do more research. I will update everyone on Twitter or whatever. Um, (laughs) I think it's possible. I think we have the technology, Um, (laughs) which gets us to this next card, which can also win the game. This next card is exponential growth. Also an X spell. This is a X X green, green for a sorcery. Until end of turn, double target creature's power X times. Oh boy. So, um, okay, sorry. I got it. Heliod. <laughs> all right. Heliod, uh, Spike Feeder, Divining Witch, and Hermit Druid. What, what, are, what do you give me? Heliod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. All right. Sorry. You can continue now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, Anyone, if only we had someone who was good at making tables so that I don't have to do math. Uh, (laughs) My goodness, do you need another cheat sheet? (laughs) Um, All right, so if you got X equals one, which will give you a total of four mana, you will just be doubling your creature's power. If you got X equals two, which is a total of six mana, you will quadruple that power. X equals three. Uh, that's eight mana, eight times power, and then X equals four, which is 10 mana. Um, that would be 16 times power. 
is you're just going to be doubling up each time. So yeah, that's that's a pretty big creature. Um, in my opinion, though, unless if you know you're guaranteed to get your creature in and it's going to have like some kind of additional benefit of like lifelink or something where you know the damage matters a lot uh six mana to just quadruple your creature's power it seems like a pretty good sweet spot yeah and there's definitely a couple of commanders where doubling is like enough uh, if you have a galta or an atarka world render uh doubling their power is enough to one hit ko somebody and there's a lot of creatures in xenagos where like you know, if the Xenagos double isn't enough, another double off of exponential growth will be enough to kill someone. This is one of the cards that, like, I'm actually, again, just kind of amazed exists now. Uh, they they did it. They printed this. The Mad Lads. This <laughs> is this literally turns every commander into a, a kill condition in green. So, um, wow. <laughs> Go, you guys. Um, it's big. I love it. Yeah, everything is big now. If it's you can, just, it's always big. Anyone want to get into this next one? Uh, I added this card to the list. Do you mind if I talk about it? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I added Emergent Sequence. It is one and a green for sorcery that says search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. The, that land becomes a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token or sorry, fractal creature, that's still a land. And then you put a plus one, plus one counter on it for each land you had enter the battlefield under your control this turn. So the reason I added it is because, like, in my mind, it's adds into, like, the group of, like, two mana value green sorcery spells that ramp you by giving you a land. You know, sort of like Nature's Lore or Three Visits and Rampant Growth. Now, I understand this is like the worst one of all of those because the creature is the land is becoming a creature permanently, not just for that turn. So it makes it more vulnerable to spot removal and board wipes. But I think like most of the time you're going to be casting this on like maybe turn two on curve and it's just going to get you enough advantage early on that you don't really mind if it gets destroyed later on. And I think there are going to be games where like People just never want to deal with it, and you've basically just ramped. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I wanted to add is I think the sequencing of this, uh, which, you know, but um, uh, is kind of important <laughs> just because you want to make sure that this would be the last land that enters the battlefield for your turn. That way, your fractal creature is going to be as big as it can be. You don't want to have mm -hmm. this one come out first and then be like, okay, let me, you know, do my fetch lands, my, you know, other ramp spells. You, you want to get the most out of this. So it's it's kind of like the, the last thing that you do. Yeah, I'd argue that even tapping out um, and casting this, and this is your only land and making it a 1-1, one, one, I'd argue that that's good enough, but... I, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, if you can make it as big as possible, I get that. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that they were like, oh, we can print rampant growth if you can kill it. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of people like complain about green ramping really strong in commander. And it's like, well, I think Ked Nagel, who you just had on, um, 
Council of Colors green person, he was saying that like reanimating or animate and animating your lands is disadvantageous because it's vulnerable. And, you know, I think this satisfies everybody. It's like, all right, well, green's going to ramp. Well, you can get the opportunity to kill it if you're so pissed off about it. Mm -hmm. I think we have two more green cards. Um, Is it okay if I read off this one? Go for (laughs) it. So this is Honor Troll. I know, I know. Uh, It is a 2-3 troll druid for two and a green. It has vigilance. Whenever, uh, if you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one. Honor Troll gets plus two, plus one, as long as you have 25 or more life. Um, Yeah, I guess. What does everyone feel about this? Well, it's worth noting that uh, Angel of Vitality sees a significant amount of play in Lafiel decks. So I think it's fair to say that this is going to see play in those same decks just because there's so much similarity between the two cards. I mean, it's pretty much a white-shifted version without the flying, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just a little confused as to why green got this ability all of a sudden. I think it's because that, that this is just like what they're trying to do for uh, Witherbloom in Limited. Like, they're mm-hmm. trying to make it about life gain. So mm-hmm. it's definitely odd. Like, life gain matters feels more like a black white thing but again because they're trying to shift the the flavor of these enemy color pairs and make them different from how they've been executed in ravnica uh that that kind of is how we get cards like this yeah i was gonna say that like technically like when we were talking to arini he was saying that uh green also gets life gain rewards and stuff like that but it's like green slice of the pie is so big that you forget that green gets life gain and cares about life gain and stuff like that there aren't really a lot of standout green cards that care about life gain so i feel like we're gonna get a lot of these cards that feel about life gain and honor troll is just one of those cards so mm-hmm. to me as someone who's like hyper aware of the color pie and like modern design like this makes a lot of sense that this is printed here but it also i just am of the opinion that green doesn't need this <laughs> you know green has a lot to do it didn't really need to expand what it does with life gain but here we are all right very last cards in green and one artifact card i just want to talk about these two together because they kind of fit in the same place uh the first is overgrown arch one in a green for a zero four plant wall with defender it has tap you gain one life and two sacrifice overgrown arch learn Uh, the other card is excavated wall a single generic mana for a zero four artifact creature wall it has defender and one tap mill a card i just wanted to bring these two up because they are natural fits for arcades the strategist uh, excavated wall because it costs only a single mana it's it's going to be one of the most efficient ways to draw cards and build up your board in that list and then overgrown arch is one of the more unique um two mana walls in that it also gives you this like card filtering option if you want to sacrifice it and learn so mm-hmm. i think that's probably a good place for these two mm-hmm. you guys have any and- thoughts on these cards yeah, when I see Defender, I immediately think of Arcades and like that's where it goes immediately. Yep, yep, spot on. So this next card, we're in the multicolored cards. This is Culmination of Studies. 
This is X blue red for a sorcery. Exile the top X cards of your library. For each land card exiled this way, create a treasure token. For each blue card exiled this way, draw a card. For each red card exiled this way, culmination of studies deals one damage to each opponent. So, um, also, we have another cameo from <laughs> my favorite Big Swordman. So, Big Swordman <laughs> is here. That means this is a very strong card, right? <laughs> Most powerful card in the set, I thought. <laughs> uh, not actually, but... Yeah, I, I think that um, this is pretty underwhelming compared to, like, other other blue spells that have X in the cost and, like, allow you to draw multiple cards. Um, like, basically, if your deck is very heavy blue, such that, like, you can expect to that almost all of your non-land cards are going to trigger the blue thing, then this is basically, like, a mind spring for 0.6, for, like, 60% of X. And then, you know, you'll get, like, 40% as treasure. But that to me seems a lot worse than just casting like a pull from tomorrow or a blue sun zenith or a stroke of genius something that like actually draws me x cards and can be cast at instant speed and doesn't run the risk of like exiling important combo pieces or anything like that yeah hard agree i think the only place that i could see this is maybe in like the future will and rowan thematic decks because i think them being such popular characters They'll kind of build, you can maybe build a deck around like their story. Unless if you have some kind of like way to generate enough mana to, you know, deal a bunch of damage to your opponents. I don't really think that this is really your game finishing card. I guess the one thing I'd have to say about this card is like, I'd like it a lot more if it was an instant. I guess you can make that case with a lot of cards, but. With a card this low powered, I think you're 100% right though. I think like this was always going to be. <laughs> like less powerful than just a blue sun zenith and that fact means that it's gonna be extra worse at sorcery speed mm -hmm. sounds like we're all in agreement best card in the set yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay do we want to move on to the next one yes go blake go <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. i didn't realize it was my turn oh i feel so You're special good. Expressive Iteration is blue and a red for a sorcery that says, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand, put one of them on the bottom of your library, and exile one of them. You may play the exiled card this turn. Again, I, I feel like a broken record. If it was a, if it was an instant, maybe I'd kind of care about this, but eh. I actually don't mind this card. I think, um, you know, it's a two for one. It's basically like a cheap cantrip. If you, I think... It's pretty realistic that you'll have like a land in your top three. So if you just cast this before you make your land drop for the turn, you can pretty consistently get two cards off of it. Um, if I think if you're sort of in the the market for like cheap cantrip style effects, I think this could be pretty good for you. And and that to me sounds like maybe Jory N or uh, Adelie's the Cinderwind. Um, just sort of these like is it like cast a lot of very cheap spells type of commanders yeah i also agree i'm not crazy crazy about this card but it does kind of seem a little better than some of the one blue mana cards that will often draw you three cards or like manipulate them so you draw one put one on the bottom and then one goes into exile um 
So another one of these, you know, low mana cost cards, I could see myself just throwing in a deck where you're also going to want to care about those magecraft, magecraft triggers. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I think this, if you look at this card, it compares like really favorably to like, uh, and this isn't saying much for Commander, but just like Divination or Winged Words or something like that, like those really cheap cantrips. Like those are basically like two to three mana to draw two cards, and this is two mana to draw two cards. So hmm. I think if you are in a deck that's looking to get a lot of Magecraft triggers, just keep the gas moving. Like you don't really care what the card does as long as it keeps you moving, then this is probably fine. This like compares pretty favorably to a lot of the like really typical card draw spells we get. Yeah, I mean, you draw three cards if you get a land and you haven't played your land for turn, you can exile that one, play it for your turn, uh, and then, you know, just go from there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if we're good, I think the, the next card really wants to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's staring at me in the face with its big old elephant eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we got mag- Magma Opus. Six blue, red, instant. So we already know it's going to be better because it's an instant. <laughs> uh, Magma Opus deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of targets. Tap two target permanents. Create a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token. Draw two cards. And then it has this extra text where it has two is it mana symbols, so blue or red. Discard Magma Opus. Create a treasure token. So what do we think? Is this actually the best card in the set? <laughs> well, it does have an elephant on it. Uh, this is not what I want to be spending eight mana on in Commander. There's just a lot of spells for the same or similar price points that will like literally win you the game, and uh, this is not nearly on that power level. Yeah, this is just kind of dirtily... It, it... If I'm spending eight mana, I sh- want to be doing a lot more. This is, I I think like they want you to be tricky and use the spells that and the creatures that cast things out of your graveyard to cast this like on the cheap or early or whatever, and hence the discard to get a treasure. But um, I just think in in general you're gonna be doing other things. You're gonna want to be doing other things. I like the you know, discard as well in case someone is going to, like, wheel. And that way you're able to, you know, discard this, get a treasure token before that happens. Um, just as kind of like a added benefit since, you know, this is quote-unquote a powerful card. You don't want it to quite go to waste. Yeah, there. This it, it's just a bunch, like, <laughs> how am I trying to say this? I can see that this card is worth eight mana, but it's not <laughs> in the ways that I want it to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like this yes, is worth eight mana in like a limited game for sure. Yeah. This is worth eight mana. I can I can calculate out, I can be like, oh okay, yeah, you get a four four, four fa- damage divided as you choose, you draw two cards. Like I can see where my eight mana is going. It's very transparent about it, but it just isn't doing things that I've want <laughs> no 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 yeah i mean we did it we we talked about the elephant in the room <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think this next one is a 
one of the modal double face cards. It's pretty weird. That's right. Yeah, the first half, the, the face half, is Augmenter Pugilist. One green green for a 3-3 three, three troll druid with trample. And as long as you control eight or more lands, Augmenter Pugilist gets plus five, plus five. The reverse half is Echoing Equation. Three blue blue for sorcery. Choose target creature you control. Each other creature you control becomes a copy of it until end of turn, except those creatures aren't legendary if the chosen creature is legendary. Uh, so what do you all think about this card? Uh, which half is more appealing to you? And where do you think is it going to see play? Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I am really thinking the backside is going to see more play. Like, no offense to the troll, but it's just kind of a it's a beat stick and it's not always going to be a good beat stick um like sometimes it will be but uh yeah. i think i think people are much how do, how do i say this i think socially more people are interested in like copying like so many people just love copying and this allows you like the backside really allows you to make a whole bunch of copies um like if i don't know if you guys have ever seen someone have like sakashima of a thousand faces as their like commander deck those people every time are just so enthusiastic and so happy mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i think i mean the only place i've been able to think about this as being like the closest deck i could find to wanting both sides would be like an otrimi or like possibly like a brokos or something like that you know like one of the mutate commanders that is really looking to like abuse the body that it's on and th the fact that this gets plus five plus five on the front half for free basically as long as you have the eight lands is like okay cool and then maybe if you like made tokens <laughs> you'd want to like copy that creature for the the back i don't know where i want to put this i i can't figure it out myself but yeah i mean if we're good to move on we just have a this troll just sitting here then we can move on <laughs> okay sure yeah. yeah yeah cool um so this next one is a doozy because it's a silver border card made real made manifest <laughs> um so this is body of research it is green, 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 blue, blue, blue for a sorcery. So six mana. Create a zero, zero, green and blue fractal creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of cards in your library. So notably, this was Animate Library from uh, Unstable. Which oh, yeah. Made your library a creature. This is basically the same card, just without the weird other shenanigans. <laughs> Yeah, it's not actually making your library a physical creature, but, you know, it's close enough. It's as close as we can get in the black border realm. Mm -hmm. um, but here's my game plan. You cast this, you make your big boy, let's say it's like an 88-88, you cast Fling, and then you kill one of your opponents. <laughs> <Ta -da. laughs> wow, that's probably the largest Seven mana. Move. What if they Seven have 89 life? 
Okay, Blake, get out of here. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of commanders that can like sort of fit this into its color identity that just naturally give it some kind of evasion. Uh, I was thinking like Cassetto or Kenrith. Like Kenrith will give it haste and trample for a single red mana. Uh, mm. Cassetto, you can activate him and give target creature uh, unblockable until end of turn or make it so target creature can't be blocked rather. So that's kind of where I was thinking for this card. If you just want to like one hit KO your opponents. The other one I was thinking about that now I'm completely blanking on his name is the Tamur man, Mr. Mr. Surak Dragonclaw himself. Mm. Like this is on color. It's a big fat, probably one shots an opponent. Those are all things that he's into. Uh, the one problem is that it is counterable because this is not a creature. Um, the last thing that I kind of wanted to say about this is that um, this is actually i mean it's on the card this is a lot of plus one plus one counters so if you're playing with plus one plus one counters if your deck is running simic ascendancy um if you're moving around counters this is this is a pretty good way to get a bunch of them <laughs> oh yeah there's that ozolith card you know once that dies oh, yeah. you can then get you know all your counters on the ozolith and then redistribute them Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just a there's a lot of a lot of different ways to to do that to use that. If you're in Sultai, you got creatures that steal counters. There's there's just a lot of stuff going on. So I I think this card fits into the format in enough places that it'll see play. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. If anyone kills me with this card, like yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next card then, which is Decisive Denial green and a blue instant and you can choose one target creature you control fights target creature you don't control or you can counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays three so this is actually kind of a good counter spell isn't it yeah i, w I was thinking um like mana leak is a decent point of comparison like mana leak can counter creatures as well but um Mana Leak sees play in 9,400 decks on EDH rec, and this is sort of like an answer to non-creature spells on the stack or creatures on the battlefield. I think it's it's like if you're in a blue-green deck, you don't have access to a lot of great removal, so this could sort of be a way that you fit a little bit more removal in your deck while still being able to react to um, like scary non-creature spells. I feel like we kind of got this cycle, quote unquote, of two color cards. Um, expressive iteration kind of fits into there, where it's just two pretty popular cards, kind of like stapled into one. Uh, but now, it, you know, both colors have access to, or like the color pair has like a new, better version of two cards. And this is kind of where I see that pretty versatile pretty good i like it we got zimone uh the strongest yeah. commander from the set on the card so you know is you know it's a a bop mm -hmm. yeah yeah when she's not playing lands and drawing cards she's uh kicking butt you know taking names oh yeah <laughs> yeah this is one of my favorite arts in the set just because it's this like little girl just beating the crap out of one of the auric and that is hilarious to me that's so good so we got double major something i didn't do in college i did uh green blue <laughs> instant 
Copy target creature spell you control, except it isn't legendary if the spell is legendary. A copy of a creature spell becomes a token. Uh, so two mana create a token copy of a creature spell, and you get the added benefit of you know, making it non-legendary if it is legendary. I'd say this is pretty good. Who doesn't want an extra copy of their commander for this generously low cost of a card? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like partner decks using Sakashima of a Thousand Faces, like Sakashima and Kodama, uh, Sakashima and Kamal, because like you're already building those decks to make use of another copy of one of your commanders, so mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the rate on this is the thing that really makes it worth it because there is the timing restriction. You have to have this when you're casting the creature. So that is a little bit harder to do sometimes, but like Riku of Two Reflections, this is just stealing his activation, right? So I think it's doable. I think there are lots of uh, green-blue X lists that are going to be able to do this that, like Blake said, are going to already want to make tokens. (laughs) So this just seems like it's people are going to play with it. I want someone to like target my commander and then I'm like, okay, but I'm going to cast double major and make a copy of it. <laughs> They're like, you still have to deal with it. Yeah, this is golden ratio. One green blue for a sorcery. Draw a card for each different power among creatures you control. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? Where do you think it's going to be good? Well, three mana, you draw three cards if you have three different creatures. It's sounding like a little... Mo- little like secret rendezvous to me you know (laughs) um but you're not giving your opponents cards to draw so it's not actually a bad card (laughs) my god yeah this seems to me like on a board stall this could draw you like four plus cards but with most decks like you're gonna be if you have like a widespread of creatures they're usually like tokens or it's a bunch of like two power four power it's like you you played your rampaging balos and you got a bunch of tokens and so there's a lot of the same size creature that said if you can get three cards out of it or if if you are a deck that's making different sized creatures fractals or something like that pretty consistently or or you're a bant deck with um Cathar's Crusade, so the creatures that exist get bigger every time you get a new creature. That's probably where this is good, but then you're just kind of winning anyway because you got a Cathar's Crusade. So, how many yeah. cards do you want to draw off of this minimum? Like for me personally, like I don't really want to cast this card unless I'm getting five or more cards. For me, I'd say like. There's not many cards in Magic that give you like three cards for three mana, so I'd be happy at three. Um, okay, personally, yeah, that's kind of my limit. Like, if this gets me three cards, and I feel like in most of the Simic decks I've brewed the last few years, that's doable. Um, then I'm happy, but it does require like a very specific build. Like this is not very good in uh, like an Edric Spymaster list because mm. pretty much all your creatures are one, one <laughs> yeah, except for your, your two, two commander. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. A friend of the show, Alex Whiteclay pointed out that um, Zaxara, the exemplary might be a good fit for this. Um, 
because she has that ability. Whenever you cast a spell with X in its mana cost, create a zero zero green Hydra creature token, then put X plus plus one counters on it. So X is likely to be different um, each time you cast it for Zexara. So that's likely to lead to a lot of different power and toughness combinations. Yeah, that is actually a good point. I, I um, have finally gotten to see some Zexara play a little bit more lately, and it uh, <laughs> you do end up with a bunch of weird-sized Hydras. <laughs> yeah, so this is Quandrix Apprentice, a 2-2 human wizard for green-blue, just two mana. They have Magecraft, as all the apprentices do. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a land card from among them and put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in an, in any order. Um, so I'm actually... <laughs> the only thing I want to say about this is how that's really weird that they've been just doing in a random order lately so that you don't sit there and like think about like, okay, well, I'm going to put this one and then I'm going to put this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when I loop through my deck, I do the, they, it's just been random order just to save time because like experienced players will just kind of shuffle them, put them down anyway, because it doesn't matter. And, or you're <laughs> going to have a fetch land or whatever. So that's weird to me. But what do you all think about this? Yeah. You're probably not playing it in Grenzo. Um, well, there's oh, a like, couple of um, reasons why you're not playing it in Grenzo. Like, <laughs> okay. Not the but, right uh, colors. <laughs> But, like, in terms of, like, the other creatures we've seen with Magecraft abilities, like, it's not, a, it's not on the top, but it's not on the bottom. I mean, it's just generic card advantage, right? So, eh, it's okay for me. I think in, like, um, th- there's a lot of blue-green lists that give you additional land drops or care about land drops. I'm thinking, like, AC, Uro, Tatiova, Simone. So, <laughs> if you're running, like, a list like those with you know, a heavy spell component. Maybe you're just cramming full of counter spells and card draw, things like that. Um, Then I think you could realistically get a lot of magecraft triggers and just make sure you always have a land in hand to drop off your, off your like Uro attack or your AC extra, um, extra land drop or something like that. And with that, I think we can zoom on over to the next one, which, uh, I think is one of the more interesting. We got a lot of interesting cards. I think this one's one of the more interesting ones to talk about. Well, this might be my favorite card of the set, to be honest. <laughs> so, Calling Ritual, two black green. It's a sorcery. Destroy each non land permanent with mana value two or less. Add black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. Ooh. Yeah, this is pretty good considering. I don't know. Your opponents are likely to have a couple things that are going to get hit. You're going to make a ton of mana off of this, cast some big spells. Uh, Personally, I want to know if this is going to make the CEDH cut for Gitrog Monster because I have not added a new card to that deck in a long time, and (laughs) I need something new in my life. Uh, So, yeah, this this is pretty sexy to me. I like it. Yeah, I'll just quickly add on to that because um, I know that some CDH players have been talking about this card. It is sorcery, so they don't like that. But it's just it'll really help propel those players into like casting Peer into the Abyss or like an ad nauseum while simultaneously just like blowing up everyone's board, and you don't care because you're probably gonna swing out way ahead and win. So I. Th- 
think it might see some play. I mean, you can just play it in your Git Frog for some fun. Um, I know over the last few years, we've been seeing a trend where people are going from like three mana value mana rocks down to two mana value mana rocks. So I think that this might be more effective than it was, say, maybe two or three years ago. Because with this card, you can just blow up a majority of your opponent's rocks. I think that's definitely true. That's I kind of wanted to hear both of your opinions on this because I, I don't have any. I was going to say like this makes a little bit of sense in a meta with like a lot of tokens. Um, the fact that it is straight non-land permanence means that you're right. Like a lot of the two mana rocks everyone plays with are going to get hit too. So that is a little bit better than I kind of thought of it as. But I'm going to try and like take a note next time I'm playing and be like, okay, well... If I had a calling ritual right now, what would it blow up <laughs> and see <laughs> if the answer is like three or more pretty consistently, then I might start playing this card more. So, well, I definitely yeah. think as long as you're playing it, not the first turn, I think most of the time you're going to probably net a mana or two off of this. Yeah. As long as you're playing it, like not turn four, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting, super crazy, uh, almost as crazy as this next card. Just kidding, this next card is actually not that crazy. <laughs> it is a mythic, though. <laughs> yeah. So this next card is Harness Infinity. I think I said that right. It is one black, 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 green, green, green. So seven mana for an instant that says exchange your hand and graveyard. Exile Harness Infinity. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I, I gotta be, I'll, I'll say my piece, but I don't actually think that this card's that good, even though it is an instant, because it's like seven mana, and I want it to win the game if I'm spending that much mana on it. And I don't know, green, black X decks already can fill up their graveyard, especially if you're only Golgari, can already fill up your graveyard. Like, returning them to the hand is arguably a disadvantage because in Golgari you can just use your graveyard I'm not explaining this very well, but I just don't think it's going to like do what people think it is. It's very splashy and cool, and everyone loves Seb McKinnon art. So I think people are a bit starry-eyed at this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in general you're right. The only thing I want to say about this is that um, there are certain cases where this is very good. If you mm -hmm. have, a, like, you played a Nyx Bloom Ancient, this is the card that can help you win the game the next turn, you know? Um, this is the card at the end of your opponent's turn you get your graveyard back to your hand and you can start doing stuff again this is good in lists that like want to discard a bunch of stuff I, I wish this was green red because <laughs> I have a, a, a green red I mean it's the colloquially a wheels deck but I don't actually care that it's wheeling it's just like trying to like fill up the graveyard as fast as possible um, and then like get it all back to discard it again in like bigger chunks so it's like you pitch, draw, pitch, draw, pitch, draw. This would fit into that. And I know that there are some decks that kind of want something like this. So I think you're right. This is more niche than people are like willing to admit. But over time, <laughs> it'll find its home. I think yeah. it would have been a little more interesting if like, I don't know quite how you would word it, but if it almost said like exchange your hand, graveyard and deck. So you can kind of like, shift oh, the, God. them around that, that would seem a little games. more worth it to me but it's like know, silver that border. also like saying like hey put your entire deck into your hand 
you know, is kind of broken. Yeah. I, have you, are you familiar with morality shift? Uh, if, if not, I think you may appreciate that card. <laughs> morality shift. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. It'd yeah. be super morality shift. Um, yeah, I think that like if you have enough cards in your graveyard for this to be awesome, um, you can like probably be doing better things. Like at that, if I have a really stocked graveyard, I'd probably rather just be like reanimating something. You're you're not too far off from like Rise of the Dark Realms. You're not too far off from or like this is significantly more expensive and less abusable than like a Living Death. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I just think that I'll echo what um, what you guys have been saying. Just that mm, sometimes having things in your graveyard makes them more accessible than having them in your hand. Um, and with that, I think we can talk about this next one, which is a straight up banger. <laughs> this is Mortality Spear. Two black green for an instant. This spell costs two less to cast if you gained life this turn. Destroy target non-land permanent. Uh, what's the easiest point of comparison for this? Do you think it'll be good? Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think the easiest easy point of comparison is just utter end which is exile target non-land permanent mm -hmm. for four mana white black two mm -hmm. uh so this card is in twenty four thousand decks on edh right currently or utter end is not mortality spear which means that this is probably gonna see play in a, a decent amount of decks even without the uh the the cheapening of the life gain like reward so pretty I think it'll be pretty impactful. Spot on. Yep. <laughs> um, and I think with that, we can just move on to the next one if you're all good. Yeah, go yep. ahead. Yeah, so this is... <laughs> it's a rare. It's called Rushed Rebirth. Black, green for an instant. Choose target creature. When that creature dies this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser mana value. Put it onto the battlefield. Tapped, then shuffle. Um, so I think the only thing notable about this is it doesn't have to be your creature. It could just be a creature. Uh, other than that, how you how do you feel about this? I think it's a little bit meta-dependent. You definitely have to be playing in a playgroup that has a lot of spot removal because um, there's, there's a lot of different tiers of how good this card is going to be. So, like, targeting your own creature and, like, sacrificing it or hitting it with a kill spell that does not seem great um that just kind of seems like you could be running uh like eldritch what is it eldritch evolution, evolution? oh yeah, yeah yeah you could just be running like eldritch evolution instead and that's like easier to pull off yeah if or your like, opponent sorry go ahead or like natural order yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but like Rush Rebirth requires you to put more effort into it than that. Um, if your opponents have a lot of big creatures, like hitting, targeting an opponent's big fatty or whatever, hitting it with a kill spell, that's decent, but you're still, it's not really the best exchange. Where, where I really want to be doing this is like targeting an opponent's fatty in response to another opponent's like board wipe or kill spell or something. And your if your meta doesn't have a lot of those type of exchanges going on, then I'm not very high on it. I completely agree. I, I 
don't think I'm going to be playing this a lot. The variance just seems too great for it to always be able to, like, you know, get you to magical Christmas land. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I could see myself playing this if it's not always going to get me what I want. But I guess, Blake, what is the next card we're going to talk about? All right. There was a bit of talk about around this next one. So it is Wither Bloom Apprentice. It is a 2-2 creature human druid for black and a green. So two mana. And it has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So I'm just going to say the obvious thing here. You know, when this set was being spoiled... You know, people saw the new Liliana and was like, oh my god, it combos with Chain of Smog. And then this card came out shortly after, and then they're like, oh wow, this is an even more efficient version of that two-card combo. And so, yeah, Chain of Smog got bought out, and there's been a little bit of discussion around the viability of that two-card combo, and just how this card can be generically good if you just intend to run a lot of instants or sorceries. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any additional thoughts? It's kind of the same thoughts that I had on Liliana. The two-card combo will probably get old and people will stop running it. Um, and just kind of like RIP to those simps who thought Professor Onyx would win them the game every time when this mm -hmm. guy's just going to be able to come out and do it at a much lower mana value cost my thoughts on this um i don't love this combo like it is two cards and it's cheap so that that is nice but also like both of these cards are terrible in isolation <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so uh... it, you know you're burning deck slots on these things that um you know are are just like the worst top decks in the world so unless you're running a bunch of tutors to help you assemble this combo, I'm not very high on it, and I, th I think there's better ways to win the game. I mean, yep. to be fair, though, at least green and black have the tutors that you'd need to get both of these, black being go find anything, green find you a creature, but it still would be like build your whole deck around it kind of thing, and that just doesn't seem too exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is just going to be a CDH card. And then I think the most notable thing is something that we mentioned earlier with Professor Onyx, which is just like, it is very obvious that they know that these two card combos exist and don't care anymore. They're not letting that hold them back from making new cards in similar spaces just because like, but you can combo with this card. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, which is interesting. I think that's an interesting place for design philosophy to take them. And one I'm actually happy about, like I, I would rather they print more cards with interesting ETB abilities than like nerf any creature that could possibly combo with Kiki Jiki, you know? <laughs> yeah, I totally um, agree. And yeah, so with that said, do we want to talk about this this next one? Yeah, we got Blade Historian. And it is a Lorehold mana, so red and white. Uh Lorehold mana. Lorehold mana, Lorehold mana. So four mana symbols, uh, red or white <laughs> for each one. Why, why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> yeah. Um, creature, human cleric, attacking creatures you control have double strike, and it's a 2-3. So, you know, I think this kind of 
uh, hints back at Boros's days of you know combat bat- combat strategies. If if you're running like a a Winota Joiner of Forces deck, it seems very good there. It's like one of the best humans you could drop in off of it. Um, mm-hmm. Any other decks where you you guys really want to run this card? I don't play Boros. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um I mean I I think like something like a um like a Jorkadine, something where it just you're red white, you get big really quick. Uh and this is a pretty cheap option for double strike. Uh, and and it will give itself double strike. So what's her name? Jorina Kudrow. Um I could possibly see this being being a thing there. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, but that's kind of it. I think if you can cheat it in with like Winota or or you just need double strike for some reason on Boros, which Boros often does, uh, this will probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a, a solid addition for like the red-white aggressive decks. Yeah, I'm, I was actually like pretty happy to see this. I'm like, oh, what a simple yet good design. Mm-hmm. Uh Speaking of simple yet good designs. <laughs> All right. I will read off the next one. Uh, it is Radiant Scroll Wielder. Two red-white for a 2-4 dwarf cleric. Instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. And at the beginning of your upkeep, exile an instant or sorcery card at random from your graveyard. You may cast it this turn. If a spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Uh yeah. Where do you guys think this is going to fit into the format? So the joke is that this isn't simple, but it is a good design. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I honestly think that this is really cool in Feather to like re-get back your like things that have whiffed. Uh, if you had to discard, discard is the bane of Feather's existence. Um, <laughs> and then, like honestly, I think this is something that Nick was thinking about was like Savine. There aren't a lot of cards currently that worked really well with Savine. Um, this this does. <laughs> this works pretty well. It's definitely, um, you know, it'll trigger your Savine. It works pretty well with some of those cards that Savine's running that, like, naturally do something better if you cast them from the graveyard. I'm thinking, like, you know, if you're running Increasing Devotion or Increasing Vengeance, um, like... This will allow you to cast to flash it back for its cheaper mana cost, but still get the big old bonus. So that seems pretty nice. Uh, and then also granting instant sorcery spells you control lifelink is is pretty good in a Savine deck. Savine, you know, it prevents she prevents or sorry, Savine prevents all damage to himself. Um, so the deck naturally wants to run a lot of damage based board wipes. And if you're giving your like blasphemous act lifelink, that's going to protect you for a, a very, very long time. So is that a quality that you like to see in Boros? Because I know we've seen like, what is it? Fire Song and Sunspeaker, who is a commander that oh, yeah. does that same effect. Is this an effect we would like to see more of in Boros? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think that like this really enables controlling red and white builds i think that um because it allows you to it allows you to like manage the creatures on the board while also giving you a big life buffer and and making it less likely you're just going to die to creatures turning sideways um (laughs) I, i really like this design space and i think the only part that saddens me is that the scroll wielder it doesn't have a way to protect itself from like your 
earthquakes or your um like hour of devastations or whatever you're casting mm, yeah that's true yeah yep yep totally agree i i i yeah to double up on that blake i would love to see just more stuff like this that would be so cool um oh, and then yeah. i think we're on to another lore hold card well mm-hmm. this is an interesting one <laughs> this is reconstruct <laughs> history a sorcery for two red white return up to one target artifact card up to one target enchantment card up to one target instant card up to one target sorcery card and up to one target planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand exile reconstruct history so um i mean magical christmas land this is a five for one for four mana which is (laughs) buck wild but but is it though (laughs) like where is this good why where would you want to play this Boros good stuff. Dot deck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. One day. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't many... like yeah. Like no particular Boros commander is like screaming for this card, but if you're playing a generic Boros deck that just has various permanent types, then sure, like go for it. But I don't I don't expect to see this card very much. Yeah, it's funny. There's a really similar card um in one of the precons in the black green precon and you know if for a black green color identity it's so easy to think of to think of decks that want this type of effect like oh Muldrotha, she's going to be uh, diversifying her threats or like shadow gang brothers is going to need cards of each of these three types um but in boros like there's just not a commander that really comes to mind as like wanting all of these different things yeah i i like this being a plant for the future this is a card that i'm gonna like keep a copy around for for like one day there's a deck like jeskai or otherwise that's like oh oh my god i can run reconstruct history um but until that day i think like if you can get if if you are playing a deck that can consistently get like three cards for one this is probably worth it Decks that I can immediately see this being good in are like Kaikar, Elsha of the Infinite. Elsha cares about just non-creature cards, so pretty much everything Reconstruct History hits and then can get them back again. <laughs> um, Narsets, the, the Narset, Jeskai one just hits these big things, but uh, I... Yeah, I'm just going to wait to see what to do with this. Um I can read this next card. This is Returned Past Caller. It is a 4-2 creature spirit cleric, and it has a bit of a strange casting cost. It is three red, hybrid boros, and white. So it's six mana value. And then it has flying, and whenever it enters the battlefield, return target spirit instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So needless to say, if you can get multiple ETB triggers and abuse this, then you can, you're probably targeting a instant or sorcery. There aren't very many spirits that you're probably gonna wanna target with this, unless you guys have something in mind, but uh, it could be pretty good recursion for instants and sorceries, yeah? 
Yeah, this seems excellent to me. I'm a huge fan of this card. I, I do wish it was a little bit cheaper, but it's a unique effect in this color identity. And there are so many things you can do with it. Like all of the, the combos that slot in like an Eternal Witness or an Archaeomancer, you can just put this in instead. Mm. And so that really gives Boros some combo potential that it didn't have before. Like just within this color identity, you can run like an eerie interlude or a ghost way, something like that, that like blinks all your creatures. And, uh, you know, you do that with like your return pass color and your other ETB creatures, you get all those triggers again, return pass color gets that eerie interlude or ghost way back in your hand for you to do it again, you know, as many times as you have, to, as you can pay for. Um, so that seems great. If you have like a living death, um, you know, sort of getting into like a, a Mardu color identity, like living death, get back, return pass color, return pa pass color gets back living death. And then, uh, you know, if the pass color dies, you can do it all again. There's just so many things that this opens the door for. And I really hope we see more cards like this in this color identity in the future. Hmm. Yeah. Loops are cool. Wizards, loops are cool. <laughs> Maybe that's why they made it so expensive maybe uh, yeah yeah I, I, that actually makes a lot of sense all right we got rip apart red white sorcery choose one rip apart deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and that oh so it has yes choose one rip apart deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker or destroy target artifact or enchantment what do we think this is like the third card printed in like the last three months where it's like some sort of white removal that hits a whole bunch of things, but which I just don't think is good enough because it's coming at sorcery speed and not instant. Like we got, uh, we got divine gambit in Caldheim. We got the, the sorcery speed lesson in this set and now rip apart. And in each case, it's like, I would, I would seriously consider running this or I, or you know, or I'm certain it'd be a format staple if it were just an instant. But I think I've got too many good options in this color identity <laughs> between like Chaos Warp and Generous Gift and all those that I don't think I need to run this. Same. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would say too. <laughs> I, I feel like there's just stiff competition for this. I guess my assumption or my evaluation, again, I don't play Boros. So I was like, oh, this <laughs> seems pretty good. It, seems versatile you know it's like a better disenchant in a way but maybe not <laughs> no that's the problem with it is that it is it is good and i think like if you're running a budget list if you don't want to like buy new cards and you went to the pre-release and you got this like i think this card is fine i think it will play fine but usually my spot removal i either want it if it's sorcery speed i want it to like do a lot Otherwise, this isn't actually going to save me from the things that I need it to save me from, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the biggest problem is that my I've just experienced so many times when I had a sorcery speed answer in my hand and lost because they played the thing and used the thing. And then that was it. And then we shuffled up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at with this. I think it is fine. I think if you want to play it, it's fine because it is extremely versatile, but... There are better answers, and if you uh, have a generous gift, a chaos warp, you uh, probably should put those in first. All right, I think we can move on to the next card. This is Thrilling Discovery. 
red and a white, so two mana for a sorcery. You gain two life, then you may discard two cards. If you do, draw three cards. How do you all feel about this? I'm, I'm kind of horny for this card. <laughs> <laughs> this card is awesome. Um, I love the cathartic reunion, big hugs all around. Um, this is just that in Boros, which is where I play that right now. I play that in like mono red. I play that in Boros artifacts, and I will continue to do that because of this card. You're horny, and that it has an elephant. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Tusky, I guess. Is that is that something? Is that anything? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, I, I love these red, cheap rummaging effects. Uh, and I, I love that they're sort of integrating the discard into the effect of the spell rather than having it be an additional cost so that you can't get blown out by a negate or something like that. Really like this this change in how they're designing these, and I hope that they continue into the future like this. So this next one is also pretty rad. This is Venerable War Singer. This is a 3-3 Spirit Cleric for one red-white. They have Vigilance, Trample, and whenever Venerable War... Blah, blah, blah. Whenever Venerable War Singer deals combat damage to a player, you may return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of damage Venerable War Singer dealt to that player. Uh, this, is, this is so cool. I love how they like tied past boros cards i care about combat i want to hit you to the current boros trend of like uh reanimate small things reanimate artifacts like get things back from your graveyard pitch things for value with a card like thrilling discovery that we just talked about and put it on the battlefield with a card like venerable war singer so super cool i this is great like just keep keep this up <laughs> please wizards yeah, this is really sweet. Um, uh, some of the commanders that work really well with it are like Gisela, Jorkadine, Jessica, Thrice Reborn, Bruce Tarl. Anything that can sort of increase its damage output and make it so that either you're able to reanimate bigger things or like you're able to, to trample over more so you can get your small things back. And there's so many good things in this color identity to reanimate like getting back a skyclave apparition or a dwergar hedge mage is a pretty big game i think yeah that that could just be crazy yeah have this guy out with your uh blade historian that we just talked about giving all your creatures double strike seems like a good idea yeah two triggers oh so good all right. This next Our, one's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, it's... All right, it is Plot Out the Sky. Or not plot, blot. Oh my god. Like blotting with ink. Um, it is a sorcery that costs X, white, and black. Create X tapped, one, two, white, and black inkling creature tokens with flying. If X is six or more, destroy all non-creature, non-land permanents. Huh. So it's a board wipe proportional to the amount of mana you put into this huh mm. How? Mm. i don't really have any it's immediate a... thoughts of this what do you guys think yeah I, my thought is that like this is a pretty good rate it's like they're like hmm, you know what card was popular and good maelstrom or uh marshall coup uh and mm. what if we changed it and they changed it enough to where like this is good and cool but not 
better, just different, because this doesn't hit creatures. Um, so you do get a ton of two one flyers, period, which is great. Love that. Um, if you do spend six or more on this, you're getting six two ones, so you're getting twelve power in the air for for eight mana, which is I mean, more or less worth eight mana, you know? <laughs> and on top of that, you're getting to destroy all the non-creature uh, permanents. So that is worth it. Um, the fact that they're tapped is weird, but like, I actually do see this having a place in the format. I, I think this is worth it if you can pump eight mana into it. I think that, um, I think that this probably wants to be in a green color identity so like obzon um just sort of looking at how this is going to play like it costs eight mana to do the thing and if you're in like a non-green color identity like how are you getting to eight mana well probably through like mana rocks or, or maybe uh mana enchantments possibly but like pretty much everything that's going to get you that high is going to get blown up if you're casting it for six or more. So I think you want to be running it in a color identity that's like got mana dorks or land-based acceleration if you're really trying to get that um, that bane of progress mode out of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. There, There's something to be said. I run a lot of like eight and nine mana spells in my current like red-white list and... A lot of times, if I run like an undo inversion, blow up all non-land permanents, kind of hits me pretty hard too, because a lot of my ramp were like worn power stones and talismans and things like that. So I think that that is a really good point to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, yeah, want to move on to this next one? Yeah, this next one, even though it isn't the end, we have dramatic finale so it is orzov hybrid orzov hybrid orzov hybrid orzov hybrid enchantment creature tokens you control get plus one plus one whenever one or more non-token creatures you control die create a two one white and black inkling creature token with flying this ability triggers only once each turn uh i would like this a lot more if it didn't have that last line of text (laughs) Uh, but why oh i don't know just kind of feels like it won't be able to go off as easily (laughs) or even go uh, off at all (laughs) yeah i i want to say not even regarding what the card does uh steve argyle on twitter was like i really liked drawing inklings uh (laughs) and if you know steve argyle at all he has like this kind of like two modes there's like incredibly cute like thing mode or there's like really dark edgy or like realistic drawings and this kind of like fits perfectly for him where he got to draw like cool people being dramatic and also like stupid little ink blots with smiley faces Mm -hmm. yeah looking at this card it's kind of strange because um the commander that it would most easily fit into would be Tasa Karlov because she doubles death triggers. She, she tends to play out as like a, a build that has a lot of non-token creatures and sacrifices them. But that, that line of text that this ability triggers only once each turn, like overwrites her doubling of death triggers. 
So it, it's really a non-bow in the, the deck that most wants it, which is kind of strange. I don't know, like, yeah, weird. I'm not sure who would really want this card if it doesn't work in Tesa. The Inklings Matter deck wants this for sure. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, Tribal Inklings for sure. <laughs> I was a fool. Um, but yeah, I think moving on, uh, this next one is... Uh, <laughs> I think will be something people see. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it. This is Fracture. <laughs> this is an instant white-black destroy target artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker. Um, so I think something to be said about this is just how how many pieces of white-black removal we've gotten in the last like year, two years. We got like starting with D Spark, I feel like we've gotten another white black removal spell with like every set or like some kind of white removal, you know. So this seems like they're just like continuing that trend. How do we feel about that? Is that accurate? Are we Hmm? I, I do like the fact that it's only two mana and the fact that it is instant speed. And I mean it hits like three key types of cards artifacts enchantments mm. and planeswalkers i mean the only downside is it doesn't hit more but if i was running disenchant in like a white black list i would be happy to swap it out for this we or so at the very least i'd do that um but honestly like there is a relatively low number of straight disenchant effects for two mana in white so if you're in a white black color identity and you find yourself needing more uh artifact and enchantment removal like this is just really a second copy of disenchant with like potential bonus like we don't see a ton of planeswalkers but there's definitely something to be said for redundant answers to problematic permanence that I, that was very well said this next one i think is um <laughs> some i i would like to talk about does anyone want to read it off and then we'll get into it sure uh this is vanishing verse white black for an instant exile target monocolored permanent how do you guys feel about it simple clean love it it's the same it's a similar vibe as the last card <laughs> yeah really yeah i think yep. uh it just is good removal i in white black i might just run this as someone who has mainly built monocolor decks i will say that please don't use this against me <laughs> <laughs> i think this card is interesting like this is going to hit uh the majority of enchantments you see the majority of like non-commander creatures that you see uh, but for a removal spell to not hit the cards that your opponents have built their decks around um, makes me kind of skeptical like i really do want to be able to answer an opponent's commander so that makes me not feel compelled to like swap out a doom blade for this i do want to say like this this reminds me a lot of um cast down which was um like an instant it was one in a black instant destroy target non-legendary creature from dominaria and I say that because that card, I was like, oh, this is awesome. It hits most things. But it was kind of the same thing where it doesn't hit commanders. And just like that simple mm. fact that it was um, like not able to um, like do 
the thing that you really needed it to do most <laughs> of the time uh that kind of sucks <laughs> yeah also not s- super high on this but i actually do like it more than um than uh most removal i guess like this is gonna hit a lot of stuff like a lot of stuff it'll also have a hard time hitting artifacts i guess that's one of the other downsides most artifacts i should say mm, yeah that's true yeah i guess do we want to move on to this next one i think we are finally in the artifacts everybody we did it <laughs> all right i can start us off if that sounds good we have biblioplex assistant it is a 2-1 artifact creature gargoyle and it's four mana it has flying and whenever it enters the battlefield put up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library um what do you guys think i don't really have strong opinions uh i think that like if you're trying to put together some of those like you know etb regrowth creatures and like time warps or basically one of those combos where you have a creature that recurs a spell some sort of like bounce or blink engine and then like some really powerful spell uh this slots into some of those pretty well like for example if you have a thassa deep dwelling deck uh, and you've got like Archaeomancer and Time Warp mm. combos. This slots in for the Archaeomancer. Um, it will sort of like replace your draw step, but you can kind of hopefully just get there by beating in with your flyer and at least eliminate a few opponents. So I think that's sort of the use case for this card. Does it bother you the fact that it puts it on the top of the library instead of to your hand? It's definitely worse, um, but I think if you're looking for redundancy and, and trying to make it so that you're you're seeing these cards every single game, there's enough of them in your deck that you can draw them reliably, then you sometimes have to accept like slick, strictly worse versions as long as it still works for the purposes of the combo. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, we can move on to this next. This next one's a doozy. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of text. We got Strixhaven Stadium, three mana, artifact you can tap it add a colorless mana put a point counter on strixhaven stadium whenever a creature deals combat damage to you remove a point counter from strixhaven stadium whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent put a point counter on strixhaven stadium then if it has 10 or more point counters on it remove them all and that player loses the game so I propose a new format where we all play with Strixhaven stadiums, and that's the only way you can win. Seems like a fun little way to encourage the combat <laughs> strategies. Sweet. I'm down for that. I, I got to say, I like this card a lot. I, I like that they have fit the alternate win condition on a card that is not like a total blank otherwise. Uh, you know, if you're running like a like a test of endurance or something like if it never triggers then you've just cast a spell that never really did anything but at the very least this is going to be a mana rock it will generate some tangible resources for you even if you never get the kill condition and i I love that kind of design and then in terms of like using it and actually killing people uh this seems really really good if you've got like a derevi tokens list or or like a derevi bird tribal list because not only are you going to have like a lot of evasive creatures that you're turning sideways, but Derevi, you can use Derevi's trigger to like untap the stadium. Then you tap it to add a mana, untap it, 
Um, so basically you're, you're getting way more point counters on it than if you had just been solely relying on its own combat damage trigger. So I, I think honestly you could realistically pull this off in a single turn in a Derevi list. Um, so I think it's going to be best there. Agree. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Sorry. Um, and the notable thing that I'd like to also throw in is, you know, you're calling rituals. They're not going to hit this. So you know, <laughs> oh this God. will stick around. <laughs> All right. Excellent point. All right. I'll read this first one. This is access tunnel. It's a land that taps for a colorless and you can pay three and tap it to make it so that target creature with power three or less can't be blocked this turn. Um, and the when I saw this card, like the first thing that came to mind immediately was Virtus and Gorm, because Virtus is a 1-1 a one, one for a two and a black, and when he deals combat damage to a player, they lose half their life rounded up. So seems perfect for there. Is there any other decks that you think this would be a good fit for? Yeah, I don't know if I have any like specifically off the top of my mind, but it, I mean, it kind of reminds me as a, another copy of like Rogue's Passage. I know that they're different, and because this tunnel is restricted to power three or less, but I feel like there's enough commanders at this point to have power three or less that this only gets better with time, and it's a valuable ability. So I could actually see someone playing this against me and just getting in there, maybe getting some sort of valuable trigger and screwing me over and winning. I was going to say that I... Um, I can see this in like Marchessa the Black Rose um, like lists that usually use like little creatures as like utility stuff. I could see this being part of... I think this is a cool tool to have. I think this honestly is a lot of commanders. Like this makes a lot of commanders unblockable. Uh, and just that alone is reason to keep it in mind. And that said, there's another, uh, another card. There's a bunch of lands in this set actually that we're going to talk about, <laughs> but this next one is a rare from this set. Um, it's called hall of oracles. It is uh, just a land taps for a colorless. And it has two abilities. The first one is one tap, add one mana of any color. So it filters. And then it has tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Activate only as a sorcery and only if you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn. So basically you can like Orin, Orin Reef, the bad one, the colorless one, for any creature as long as you cast an instant or sorcery spell. Um, any Any places that come to mind immediately that really want an effect like this? Uh, I was thinking like in Marchessa, the Black Rose, or Mowu, both of them, you know, really like having plus one plus one counters on things. Uh, Mowu to, to grow big and do the Voltron plan and Marchessa so that she can reanimate them. So I think it'd be a good fit in either one of those lists. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a lot of other decks where adding plus one plus one counters at like this rate is important and that can also meet the criteria of having a bunch of instants and, and sorceries like technically free like basically one mana you can think of it as one mana to put a counter on something if you meet the, the criteria that's like a pretty good rate but it's like not an effect that i actually think i want most of the time mm -hmm. so yeah i'm not sure like maybe like an adelie's list or something i, I don't actually really think i would 
play this in a lot of decks. It's going to be very niche to plus one plus one counter strategies, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of niche, do we want to talk about these next cards? <laughs> sure, I can speak on it. We have well, just for one example, because we're not gonna read all of the cards but uh yeah 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 so an example would be shine shadow snarl uh so when it enters the battlefield you may reveal a plains or a swamp card from your hand if you don't it enters the battlefield tapped and then it taps for uh white or black so obviously like white plains swamp black so it's the corresponding colors so you really want to reveal the corresponding land color in your hand otherwise it's always going to enter the battlefield tapped right mm -hmm. yeah these, these are the check lands from shadows over in Estrad, um but they they're finishing off the cycle and uh <laughs> honestly uh how do you all feel about it oh so i thought this was a new land cycle and i'm like uh okay but then apparently there were that's completing a cycle and i'm like huh didn't even know because i don't play those cards <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're not alone in not playing them oh yeah, yeah. so uh i looked up the stats for like some rare land cycles just to sort of give you some context for how good this cycle of lands are um so like uh just looking at a say a blue white color identity uh, Hallowed Fountain, the shock land for blue-white, is in 59,000 decks. Uh, Glacial Fortress, the check land, uh, is in 32,000 decks. Prairie Stream, the um, Battle for Zendikar dual land, is in 28,000 decks. You've got Sea of Clouds, the, the Battle Bond land, in 19,000 decks. Temple of Enlightenment, the, the Scry land, 18,000 decks. Irrigated Farmland, the Amonkhet cycling land, 15,000 decks. Ardarkar... Adarkar Wastes, the Pain Land, in 12,000 decks. Mystic Gate, the Filtered Land, in 7,800 decks. And then Port Town, the, the blue-white, like Shadows Over Innistrad Dual Land, is in 7,035 decks. So this is very, very far down the, or the rankings of Dual Lands. And if you're really desperate for fixing or if you have a budget deck, I'd consider it, but there are just so many better options if you're trying to yep. fix your deck for these colors. Yeah, it's really sad. There's actually in our Discord, um, it was uh, Russell, if everyone heard that episode, uh, was talking about how, man, uh, really hope they don't print the check lands <laughs> in Strixhaven. And I was like, yep. And a bunch of people on our Discord were like, yep. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. Jinxed it. I know. God, I was the like the reaction to those Shadows Over Innistrad lands was so bad. I was certain that they like oh, well of course they're not gonna return to this. They're gonna do like the battle for they're gonna complete like the battle for Zendikar cycle because everyone liked those. But then I was sorely disappointed to see these snarls. Well, uh, well, you win we got another them, cycle no? of two color cards, uh, two color lands that we can move on to if yeah, everyone's yeah. ready. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we got five of these. Um, and just kind of imagine whatever the college is campus. So, for example, Lorehold Campus. It's a land enters the battlefield tapped, and you can tap it for red or white. And then you have four mana tap, scry one. What do we think? Man, that is a question. Oh, I is it? I already forgot about will it. Not play these. <laughs> just to, just to like 
already throw that out there. Um, I'm not really one for tapped lands, and these just kind of seem mana intensive to just be able to scry. Yeah, these are like fine budget options, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. if I'm running a budget mana base, like the ability to scry is a lot better than nothing on like a guild gate or a tap land from like invasion or something like that. But at the same time, like I don't, I don't care. Like I, <laughs> as someone who is a player, like I, I would play the snarl before I would play Lorehold campus, you know, <laughs> most of the time there's just so many cheap, like fine options at this point that um, I don't really think we have to worry about. Um, most players don't need to worry about like budget concerns like that, you know. But it's cool that it exists. Have we made it to the last card? We have. This is it. We did it. <laughs> wow. Who wants the honor? I'll take it. I'll yeah, take go this for it. Off. Uh, this is the Biblioplex. It is a land that taps for colorless. It has two tap. Look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. Activate this ability only if you have exactly zero or seven cards in hand. What do you all think of this? Oof. Um, I think for two mana tap and the restriction of either needing seven cards in hand or zero cards in hand... Does it really make this card worth it? I would like it more if maybe you didn't have to pay two mana in order to tap it to do this. It just seems like... I know Library, it's like a nod to Library of Alexandria, which is a, you know, it's banned. It's a pretty good card. But I don't think that this is nearly the same kind of power level as that. I do kind of like the design space uh, referencing... Um, Library of Alexandria in that way and I would kind of like to see maybe like a cycle of this where they do it for enchantments or like creatures if we went back to like Ikoria or Theros where you know you have more lands that kind of like do something like this that care about the card type that the set is maybe built around I agree I think it's too narrow the puzzle is cool the throwback to Library of Alexandria is really cool um that said, I just don't really think I'm going to play this anywhere. Yep. Yeah, I was saying. really excited about this card. And then I'm like, all right, all right. I like it. I like it. I get to that last sentence where you need either zero or seven cards in hand. Exactly. And then I'm like, oh, okay, nope. I don't care about this card. Yeah, it'd be like that. But uh, not to end on a, a whimper, but that was the set. <laughs> we, oh, boy. We did it. <laughs> Can you believe it? <sighs> yeah. It's just so much fun yeah. to talk about cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Love that. I'm scrolling back through all of them right now and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe we talked about all of these cards. This was like a, <laughs> <I know. laughs> a doozy. Yeah, just like not uh Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um do we want to kind of wrap up with like anything that we're super excited about or anything that we think, you know. Well, I'll ask you guys, what archetypes do you think benefited the most from this set? How do you think 
do you think like overall how, how has it contributed to the commander format like what's the the big picture view of strixhaven the set well the obvious answer is like spell slinger decks right because of the magecraft ability mm-hmm. yeah because they're often typically in like instance and sorcery heavy decks i feel like in terms of archetypes uh you could you could make the case that group hug yeah because secret rendezvous was in this set yeah like you could mm-hmm. make a case that group hug got a boost from this set right <laughs> i mean we're, we're not obviously talking about it this episode That'll be the next episode that you'll uh, go over yeah. to the Wizard Staff podcast to listen to when we talk about C21. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Silver Quill in particular is getting um, some some politicky cards. Yeah. And that is not something that they have, like Orzov has not really had a lot of politicky cards besides like uh, Pillow 40 type stuff, you know? So that's, that is new. You're totally right about that. There also is that cycle of spells um, that cost less if you give your opponent some bonus. So I think they are trying to like have a little bit of, of multicolor focused cards within the main set. Or sorry, not multicolor, multiplayer focused cards uh, within this main set. Although I, I got to say it's, it's strange that they're sort of doing that with the one hand and then on the other hand, like designing these double-faced uh these modal double-faced commanders that don't really work well in commander so yeah (laughs) it's kind of like a mixed message there Mm -hmm. yeah i'm very in the middle with this set like not to say that there's anything bad about this set but there's nothing in particular like there's not like a two or three commanders that are jumping out at me or two or three cards that go in the 99 that are just jumping out at me screaming like oh my god play me that might just be me personally i know it is so but what about you guys i feel like this happens quite often where you know when the set gets spoiled there's at least one card that most people are like oh this needs to be banned immediately this is way (laughs) too strong get it out of here like thassa's oracle i don't know like next yeah, next boom agent. The, the powerful cards like that. I don't think I saw anything from this set where people were like, "Oh my god, this needs to be banned. Get it out of here." Everything seems pretty mid-tier in my opinion. I don't think anything stands out as like backbreaking. Yeah, I think that like the power is concentrated in two ways. They there's definitely a lot focused in the the magecraft spells there's a lot of good magecraft triggers but you know that is is like one archetype out of many in commander so it's not something that's going to go in every deck it's not they're not all necessarily going to be like format staple run it in every red deck or every blue deck or whatever um and also like There is a little bit of power concentrated, I think, in some of the removal spells, but that's kind of typical for multicolor focus sets. Because, like, I remember back in uh, like the most recent return to Ravnica, that's when we got Assassin's Trophy. That's when we got Bedevil. um, Mm. That's when we got Dovin's Veto. Like cheap, efficient multicolor answers are kind of a normal thing to get in these kind of sets. And that's kind of where that like the two areas where I see the power being concentrated. They're not like ramp you like crazy or like win the game with like a Thassa's Oracle or a Nyx Bloom Agent. It's like here's some efficient answers and here's some rewards for like playing into the set's theme. 
Um, hmm. But I don't think they're going to drastically change the landscape of Commander. I hadn't thought about that, but I think I think you convinced me. I think I agree. I'm just going to echo that. It seems like there's a lot of interesting, like, the thing I'm taking away from Strixhaven most isn't so much, like, actual cards to play with. Like, Magna, uh, sorry, Magma Opus, that really well-named card, um, isn't, like, a card that I'm super excited to run in Commander, but it does show, like, where they're taking design for the next few years. Like, it does show, like, where they're focusing things for like arena the next few years and especially with like lesson and learn um as like the big mechanic of the set so lore hold introducing new things silver quill honestly being like a new thing for magic like what i'm taking away from strixhaven is that with a bang we've entered a new era of design and this is the world we're gonna live in i'm excited for it i think like stuff like this like if we just continue to get sets like strixhaven like i think commander will be great because i think one of the talking points people echo because it's in general true is that commander was better when they didn't design for it i don't necessarily agree (laughs) (laughs) but um i think there's a lot of it's a lot more complicated than that but i do think that when they limit commander cards to the commander product uh, we benefit, and that is what Strixhaven is doing. We're just getting a lot of weird cards, weird tools, that even if I don't have a place for it now, it's just something that I might use in the future. Take Reconstruct History as like an example. Um, like I don't have a place for Blade Historian right now, but maybe one day I will have a deck that wants Double Strike, you know? Um, I don't really care about uh that one red one that gives first day of class that puts like plus one plus one counters on creatures but that might be like a key player in some future red list and return to even tight or something you know like oh i'd love that (laughs) yeah so so there's just a lot of weird things in this set uh that i think are indicative of new design and that's kind of what i'm taking away from this more so than actual cards i'm packing into my list yeah, I love the the reinterpretation of Lorehold or, or like the red-white color combination in that set. That's something I'm really pleased with. And yeah, it seems like um, a lot of we- weird niche effects, uh, like bolstering very specific decks in the format. Uh, that's the kind of set I like to see. So really, really happy about Strixhaven overall. So I think with that said, we're all we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Honestly, so I want, I want to do a shout-out. I did a little one at the end of the last episode but um, when you all weren't here. But uh, thank you so, so much to Alex Whiteclay, who uh, helped me and Nick. He helped all of us, but he helped me and Nick a lot with theory crafting deck lists, like talking about the cards, giving us opinions. Um, honestly, like spoiler season would not be as much fun or doable without your help. So big, big <laughs> shout-out to Alex Whiteclay for that. And... Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to Guy and Blake for being here on this uh, this intense journey we just went on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we climbed a yeah. mountain. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I want to echo the thank you to Alex Whiteclay, um, big supporter of the show. Um, love you, man. And also just want to say, like, I really recommend all our listeners head on over to the wizard staff because you know this whole Strixhaven set review like 
I, I've been holding back a little because, you know, Strixhaven is a, a standard release. It has to serve multiple masters. There's all these compromises and sacrifices that have to be made um, to like make it into like a draftable format or to make it work in, com- uh, to make it work in standard in addition to commander. Um, so I was kind of like keeping that in mind and like couching my expectations and like maybe pulling back on some of the criticism, but I cannot wait to start talking. <laughs> talking about commander 2021 because it is purely focused on commander players and if a card or a commander in a precon fails to do what it's trying to do then there is like no excuse of like oh they were trying to get this mechanic to show up in standard or oh they were trying to balance it for limited like we can really take the gloves off i have like sharpened my teeth to points i am ready to tear into these precons so please go ahead and check out the wizard staff you're gonna love this next episode oh yeah it'll be really chill it'll be an interesting time to get to like we've kind of talked about our podcast is focused on like you know just drinking a beer or two while we while we talk about magic cards so it was fun to do this sober but i'm ready to crack open a cold one and talk with the boys yeah (laughs) yeah i get to release my my outer persona my my punk musician (laughs) (laughs) on their podcast so if you want to hear zach on some tequila please uh do not hesitate to go over and listen so with that said uh do you guys want to say where they everyone can find you and then we'll we'll call it there uh sure thing you can find us on twitter facebook instagram at the wizard staff 101 um you can send us an email at the wizard staff 101 at gmail.com and we're on all the typical podcast site, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So go, you know, if you want to leave a like and review, go check us out there. Anything, you know, to help out. Uh, but yeah, we are very excited to get to host uh, Nick and Zach here in just a few moments because we're going from one episode right to the other. It's nonstop, <laughs> baby. Oh yeah. It, hopefully you won't notice, but maybe <laughs> maybe you will. Um, if we do our job right, you won't notice. All right, yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having us on. No, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. So we'll see you all later. Bye. 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 If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy. And you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>